Welcome to the Raw Autos Podcast, episode 10. I, you know, I keep saying it, but I can't believe I've made it to 10 episodes in such a short period of time. Going on four weeks, right? Yeah, four weeks, I think. Yeah. Just a little reminder at the top here. Uh, after this week, I will be going to two episodes per week for two weeks. And then after that, we will jump down to one episode per week. Uh, just wanted to make sure that everybody had plenty of content uh, for you know this whole coronavirus, COVID nineteen issue, pandemic, uh, and uh, but it's getting harder and harder to really kind of sustain three days a week. But you will get Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this week, and then you will have Monday and Friday of next week, and then we will go to Mondays. So Mondays uh, of every week, you'll have a new episode. Um, and obviously that could change depending on, you know, what happens in the world. It could be Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday. I don't know. Who knows? It's a new podcast. Look, I'm going with the flow here. Uh, also don't forget that we are on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google, uh, podcasts and Podbean. There you go. Uh, visit rawautos.com and, uh, go to youtube.com slash rawautos, uh, subscribe, like, Hit the bell icon so that way you won't miss anything that I never do. And then, of course, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, raw autos on there. Blah, blah, blah. Hope you've been enjoying, hope you've been enjoying, excuse me, all of the podcasts that I've done so far. The nine episodes. Man, they've flown by. And I've loved every single one of them. I absolutely adore just sitting down and being able to chat with people who have, uh, you know, let's be honest, nothing better to do. I uh, hope you enjoyed the rather awkwardly long podcast about raw autos, learning about raw autos. That'll be coming up again this week because while this podcast, we have the absolutely incredible Brian Max on, a racing driver, driving instructor, uh, at racing instructor as well, and a journalist. He's the real deal Holyfield. He, he's done it all. He does it all. And he's the best. So uh, he's on this week, obviously. Uh, and then... On Wednesday, we will have the fantastic Stephen Lang, who is a journalist and car salesman, uh, and he deals mainly as an auctioneer and as a car dealer, and a really cool guy. I've never actually met him in person, just talked to him on social media, but I know that he's knowledgeable, and man, did we have a great podcast. Both the Brian Max episode, this episode, uh, and the Stephen Lang episode are a little over two hours because, well, you know, interesting people, sometimes we just run long. And more so with Brian because Brian and I are friendly. Uh, I would say we're pretty good friends. Um, and we talk on occasion via text and stuff like that. And so, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while. So I just kind of wanted to chit-chat with him. And we kind of go all over the place. Uh, we cover street racing, uh, why it's dumb. And uh, which, very interesting, I actually recorded the podcast with Brian uh, Friday morning, which was the 17th. Yeah, the 17th, we recorded at 9.30 in the morning uh, uh, Eastern time. And about what? I don't know. Like, what was that night, actually? I think it was like 8 or 9 o'clock. I was coming back from, where was I coming back from? It was really only... One place I could come back from is my parents because I have to get them stuff. Anyway, it's coming back home and I'm in my GT350 and what pulls up next to me on the highway is a riced out, extremely loud 370Z, two guys in the car, 
I try not to look over or pay too much attention. They're doing the whole racer flyby thing, the whole, you know, speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down. They're in a fast lane. I got over into the slow lane all the way over because I'm just not interested, uh, just trying to pay no mind. And then, yeah, it, it, people like that annoy me because I'm just not interested, number one. Number two, I know that annoys them because they, I don't know what they want. I don't know if they want to race because they think, you know, they've got bigger balls than me and maybe they do. I don't care. Uh, maybe it's because they think their car is faster or they want to prove something to themselves or prove something to their friend in the car or prove something to me. I don't know. Um, or that, uh, they just, they want to hear my car. They want to hear and see it go fast. And you know, that's fine. I just, not interested in doing that on a public road, on a highway, especially where there are other cars, uh, where there's a pandemic, you know, if you can stay home, stay home. If you don't need to be out, don't be out. Um, but anyway, you know, wash your hands, uh, put some lotion on your hands because mine are starting to get really dry from all the hand washing. And my birthday is in what? Less than a month. I think it's like 25 days away, something like that. And, uh, I'm telling you, it's the moment somebody sings happy birthday to me, I'm just going to start rubbing my hands together, thinking I'm washing them. Um, it's crazy what's going on in the world, right? Don't have a vaccine for this yet. Hopefully that's coming soon. Hopefully we've got something going here. Uh, if you or someone you know has been affected by COVID-19, I'm very sorry. Uh, I hope, um, I genuinely hope that they get better. Um, and uh, if you've lost someone that you care about, uh, to the coronavirus again, I'm very sorry. And I know I can't do anything, but just sit here and talk. So yeah. So how you doing? You doing good. What brings you to this part of the, the uh, internet? Hmm? Hmm? Anyway. Uh, yeah. So you know what, without further ado, let's just get over all the stuff I'm talking here. Uh, remember wash your hands and listen to the rawest podcast especially this week with my fantastic guest. Please help me welcome, clap your hands, make some noise for the ever so amazing Brian Max. How are you doing? How are you holding up? I'm great, actually. I should, quite sincerely, um, you know, I've been I've been working from home technically as a, you know, whatever. Uh, I work wherever my laptop and, and phone are, so... Um, it doesn't really, uh, bug me. I mean, and I've got a beautiful office. So, you know, that said, um, I'd love to be traveling and, uh, you know, driving something fun on, on a cool road, but uh, that's not going to happen for a while. But uh, otherwise I can't complain. How are you, Josh? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. I'm okay in my house. Um, my wife and I, we have, you know, a two story house, uh, with a nice backyard. We've got two dogs and a cat. The the dogs and the cat are just happy to see us all day, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know. I, my wife is is the person who wants to go out and do things all the time. Me, I, if I can stay in, I'm fine. You know, she's 28. I'll be 34 in May. I'm I'm reaching that age where I'm like, no, I don't want to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm 72 years old already, and uh, I just I'm fine with this. This is okay. I have my routine. I'm happy with it. Um. I do basically the same thing every day, and and unlike most people, I'm okay doing the exact same thing 
when I wake up in the morning, you know, cause I like to make, I make three eggs over easy. I have uh, two pieces of toast and I have uh, either water, I don't drink coffee or I'll drink uh, a, uh, a sports recovery drink called Fit Aid. And I sit down and I watch the show. I watch reruns of the show Psych on Amazon Prime. Um, mm-hmm. And then right now I've been binging again Community on Netflix in the morning sometimes. Right. I'm fine. I'm okay. I do the same thing every morning. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is going yeah, nuts. I hear you. I mean, yeah, sorry, your wife is? Yeah, my wife is going nuts. She's like, I can't, I can't take this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear. I, I don't, I don't mind. I, I sincerely don't mind the routine. And, and, uh, you know, thankfully I've got, you know, um, I've got plenty of things to keep me busy that are, you know, productive and business related and all of that. So, right. you know, uh, you know, my, my routine is, uh, generally, you know, get up, uh, work out a bit, uh, and then spend the rest of the day in, in my office and, you know, whatever, whatever tasks I have to get through. And, uh, and then my darling bride and I have, a have a, a, a decent dinner together and, uh, you know, we haven't killed each other yet. So, that's good <laughs> but that's also, I think that's, it's my, so my wife also, I think part of her problem is she actually works for local government. Uh, here in North Carolina. Yes. So she is still, um, she's not necessarily essential, but she is, uh, she's still working. So she's working from home. And so she's dealing with all of that stuff from home while I just was like, you know what? I'm not going out and reviewing cars right now. I'm going to start a podcast. And she's like, I want to do something fun. You know? (laughs) So, you know, I go up in my office. I, I, uh, this morning, I had to actually drive to my parents' house um, because I had to go pick up my mom and dad's dogs to take them to the vet because they're getting some vaccines today and they're getting uh, just, you know, their normal checkup that they that has been scheduled for the last six months, you know. So I went to their house, picked up their dogs, and, of course, you know, I'm wearing a mask. I'm practically wearing a hazmat suit um, because I, unlike some people, take this very seriously when it comes to people I care about, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and, and then I came home and I said, you know, I said hello to my wife because she was asleep when I left this morning. I woke up at like 6 a.m. because my parents live about 45 minutes away. And uh, so anyway, so I did all this and I came home. Hi, I love you. Uh, I'm going to go report the, record the podcast with Brian and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. And but that's like, I don't know. That's I, I like that. I don't mind that. You know, that's a that's a nice routine I can be into. It, it it is, and, and you know, I think we're you know there, there are plenty of us that are that are fortunate to to be able to take advantage of this, and and uh, I mean it's you know it's not the it's certainly not the the easiest thing, and the, and, and there are you know plenty of uh, plenty of folks who are having challenging times right now, and that's right. the you know, that's the thing we've got to remember, and it's you know it's like what do you you know what do you do? That's the thing so. I, I was talking to my mom about that last night. I feel really bad because you and I, as as journalists of sorts, you know, media people. Uh, we can find something to do and, and sometimes, you know, in stuff like this, we can, we can still find a way to make money. Right. Um, but luckily my wife is still being paid as a full-time, you know, employee of local government. Um, but we also, we own a, a small production company that we, um, that we do stuff on the side, photography, videography, marketing for small businesses and stuff like that. And so all of that stuff has been thrown, you know, by the wayside. And understandably so, yeah. of course, you know, and, and so I'm, 
I, I've completely lost money that I don't know when I'll see again, you know, but at the same time, mm-hmm. luckily we're in a position where we are, our heads are above water. We're not going under anytime soon, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm also very lucky to be in a situation where my parents, you know, they they are well off, so that helps a lot as well. So, but I I was saying to my mom last night, I can't imagine what some people where the husband and wife work for, they just have their own small business and that's what they do, and then they have children, and I can't imagine what it feels like for them. You know, what what they're going through because they don't know when anything's going to get back to normal. Yeah, absolutely, and and that that I just can't fathom. And it bugs me because I feel like government is uh, is not um, paying enough attention to those people. You know, uh, maybe the Canadian government is. Uh, by the way, you're in Canada. You were from Canada. Um, yes. And I, I look and I look and sound American. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one of those insidious visitors. Well, I think one of my favorite things about you is you commented on something I I put on Facebook. This is a, a number of years ago, and somebody said, "Who yeah. the hell is this guy?" And you said, "Google me." And I think that's that's what you weren't being a dick about it, but it was just one of those things where, yes, you could explain yourself, but then you look like an even bigger dick by explaining who you are. You know, instead, yeah. Google yeah. me is just like, look, I'm slightly recognizable enough that if you Google me, you'll find more information than I than I can give you. You'd believe me if you Google me, not if you, not if I comment, right? That, that, that's exactly. It. I, I, I kind of, I mean, I use that once a year, maybe, but <laughs> that's the, you know, that's the, that's you're, you're spot on because, you know, I, my name is so unique. It's like, yeah, sure, there, there may be one or two other people on the planet with my name, but they don't have an internet presence, so it's, it's, it's really easy just to find out who I am, what I'm about, and 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 all of that by dropping my name into Google. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's it's a complete dick move, um, but when when it's appropriate, I do I do use it. It it is it's great because my friend actually texts me. He's like, "This dude's an asshole." It's like, "No, no, no, he's not an asshole." It's just seriously, if you do Google him, like you will sit there and go, "Oh, I would have never believed that if he had commented that on Facebook." You know, because you hold how many North American track records? Um, you know what? I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm fairly certain. No, it's not that. It's that, that some have. Some have. Uh, some have been lost over the years. But at one time, like I had, I had uh, twelve track records at at various tracks. Um, <laughs> I mean, and and I mean that, those. You know, those range from like Mid Ohio and Road America to you know uh, Gingerman and uh, and Grattan. Yeah. um and 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 maybe even that what, what do they call it now pit race they used to call it i don't know what do they used to call it <clears throat> i can't remember um but you know we were we were racing for years in uh in that region um and you know i i i, I love putting down fast lap times so um yeah at one, at one point i don't know it was it was it was past 10 and some may still stand. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's okay. And, and, you know, uh, again, you know, because we're in the internet age, my, like everything I've done in racing, uh, in, in the last 20 years has been documented. So it's really easy to find. Right. And, you know, and also you obviously are, are a very well-established journalist. Um, you've been featured in, um, publications in canada america australia and england right or the uk yes yep yep and uh and recently you got to drive something that i am extremely jealous of (laughs) 
Uh-oh. The, the the Laramie Longhorn Etorque. No, I'm kidding. The the, <laughs> <laughs> the McLaren, hey, that was good, actually. Uh, those are actually really actually. You know what? Ram is doing it right. Uh, they are they are a fantastic truck company right now. Um, sometimes I slip up and say Dodge. Oops, but they Ooh. they're I know right. Bad boy move. You yeah. know, but they I really think they're killing it, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think I think uh, it was a sales record for Ram again last year. Um, you know, this year <laughs> throw oh, it all yeah. those yeah. out the window. But I think it was it was a uh, it was a record year, and and for you know for good reason. They they've got all the bases covered, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the products good. Like it's it's you know, uh, and I say it all the time uh, when I review these things. The best looking truck, yeah. Um, yeah. and and then. Uh, with all the bases covered, you can kind of, you know, no matter what you're looking for, you can you can find it in the Ram lineup. Now, of course, there's all kinds of crazy brand loyalty on on both sides of our border, um, but you know, the Ram is is is, uh, is such a good piece. And I, you know, I don't know how long ago. What what month are we in? What day is it? Um, <laughs> about two months ago, um, I uh, locally I was testing a, a Ram Rebel with the new diesel yeah. and. That um, almost that specification was almost my my favorite, uh, except it had a, um, a quad cab instead of the crew cab, which is like totally unusable. But the the rest of the truck, I mean, I we had a nasty nasty uh, winter storm, and um, that thing was just rock solid and and so much fun. Um, and and that's sort of that's where that's you know in the in the Ram lineup that's sort of where I go, um, and at least until they they drop the TRX, and that'll be a, that'll be a cool piece. You know, I, I wrote an article last, I think it was last summer, uh, that said that uh, we're in an era now where the, the trucks are the new muscle cars. Because there's so many different cool variants, like the muscle cars of the 60s, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Trucks are, and, and trucks are, you know, they've rapidly become the most important in the lineup of any of any car company. Even companies that, you know, like Volkswagen, who they're not known for trucks a truck is still an important part of their uh, their world uh, view, in a sense, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and you know, I mean, it, our 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 market is very similar uh, to yours, where the mm-hmm. where the best selling vehicles are trucks. Um, you know, so it, it's you know, even though even though our countries are fundamentally different in a lot of ways, trucks are still the best selling vehicles here. Right, and. It, now, of course, we can argue whether or not that is that should be the case. Um, and after the coronavirus, I think that's going to change pretty hardcore. Uh, how about you? What do you think of that? You know what? Um, I think we're you know we're we're too early to, to to speculate. I think in the in the short term, um, you know, anybody who has survived this. Um, you know, financially speaking, will you know will have the the ability to to you know buy that you know big pickup truck and mm-hmm. still you know still be um, not worrying about you know uh, gas at at, at three dollars a gallon. Like you know the the, the oil oil prices are not going to come back for a really long time, and yeah. and um, you know that translates to 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 retail prices. So you know, I think that you know. When when uh, when vehicle sales come back, there's going to be there's going to be a ton of truck sales and 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 uh, and um, the, you know the the mid to high end premium 
brands are going to do okay. But um, you know, the the the, the you know the high volume stuff is going to be a, is going to be a challenge, and I think I think what's going to happen is people people are going to uh, are going to hang on to cars longer uh, as they always do during downturns, and they're going to they're going to hang on to those things uh, a really long time for a really long time. And um, you know that it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. But I mean, you know, uh, I was just seeing in uh, in the U.S. Uh, a friend has uh, a few dealers, and um, all of his manufacturers are offering near or zero percent financing for uh, five six years, and they're premium wow. brand. Wow. So that I just saw overnight, and I'm like, "This is this is going to be this is going to be interesting." Well, I think that uh, I've been saying yeah. uh, on the podcast and different shows that I really think the used car market is going to be something very interesting. I think it's going to be a battle between the dealers and the banks because the dealers are going to want to get rid of every car that they have, especially used yeah. cars. Whereas the banks yeah. are going to be like, "Look, we want more guarantees. We want you know," and and that's going to be the struggle, I think. Um, but. Well, for a, a friend of mine's an analyst uh, for uh, for used car uh, values, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not going to name names, but I'm sure he will listen to this. And um, uh, he's like, "Yeah, you want to buy something? Wait until August." That makes a lot of sense. I I did say recently to my wife because she not that I'm an analyst, but I used to sell cars, and now I do this. And and she asked me what I thought would happen, and I said I think one of the biggest hits is going to be certain classic and other collector cars you're going to find out by the end of the year you're going to find out which cars had superficial values and which cars were really worth their weight in gold you know oh yeah no question no question and 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 i think uh, i think um we're going to see the 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 bottom fall out of a, a number of those segments mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course with, you know, with, uh, with our respective generations, cause I'm a little bit older than you are, uh, I think a lot of the, the, the Radwood era stuff is, is going to, uh, fall apart. And you know what? I'm okay with that for one reason, because then I can buy more than one of them and enjoy them. <laughs> exactly. My brother and I are, this is 100% true. My brother and I, luckily he's in a position, I'm in a position where we can kind of put our money together and we're actually thinking about, uh, over the next six to eight months where we've been compiling some uh, potential future collectible cars that are a little bit more modern that we're thinking about over the sure. next five yeah. years, you know, owning one or two of them. And over the next five years, if they break even, great. If they make us money, fantastic. But we're thinking like, oh, man, the bottom could really drop out on these few cars. You know, let's maybe take a gamble. You know, if we can if we can get it, you know, at the right price, the right value, both put in half and enjoy it. What the hell? You know what's what? Yeah. What's the harm? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, if, and that's I mean, that's what that's what collector cars is. I mean, you know, we we've just lived through an era where where you could speculate on on collector cars, but mm. you know, in in my lifetime, that's really never been the case uh, until now, where you know, pretty much you could you you know with a reasonable amount of intelligence on on the on the vehicle, mm-hmm. you could you could do well those days are are over for sure so you know collector cars are, are meant to be enjoyed and and oh, yeah. i think that's the that's the, the era we're, we're going to be ushered into uh whether we like it or not but um you know for me like i'm just not a i'm not a uh a collector and i don't like having stuff <laughs> and you know i'd i'd you know i'd, I'd love to have something but then it's then it's that in that you know there's the the psychological weight of it Right, and right, right, right. You know, I just 
I, I that's that's what you know that, that's what doesn't appeal to me is is you know having a bunch of things and then you know having to uh, you know to, to deal with it and if there's something wrong with something mm-hmm. you know looking at it scornfully going ah, I just don't <laughs> want to deal with that and then and, and and then then it goes neglected and 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 that sort of thing but you know there I don't know to me I I, I had a I had a brilliant idea over the, the last the while because we've got we've got different uh, different import laws here in canada mm-hmm. um and and um i'm a big fan of luke donkavaka oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. i um and, and i don't know maybe i still will but uh, i'd love to get an audi a2 mm, yes yes so talk, talk to another friend so it, you know buying the right one getting you know uh and and i'm pretty picky i just don't want a uh, any A2, you know, it has to it has to have the the the, the, the right engine yep, and, and the right spec. The right boxes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you know, the, and they're you can find them, and, and, and that's fine. But um, you know, you, you get the, um, the the little four cylinder turbo, you can put a tune on it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that you know, I mean, they're whatever they are, 100 and, 110, 120 horsepower. That's the they're just not quick enough to keep up with modern traffic, but you throw another 30, 40 horsepower, then it's, you know, it's drivable in, in, you know, in a big city like where I live. Mm-hmm. So that, that's interesting. The, the problem, the problem becomes, you know, damaging it. There's no part supply and, and all of that. But, um, in the, uh, you know, in, in the good weather, I would love to daily one of those in, in my city. Well, I think so. And, and I think you and I both agree on this. Collecting cars is foolish right locking them away is ridiculous because these cars were made to be appreciated enjoyed respected and there were so many hours of uh of blood sweat and tears that go into making a great car right and yeah so when i see cars sitting in a garage and they just they're plugged up to something and i just like it 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 tears me up because i just think this is ridiculous this car needs to be out there roaming the roads i mean sure you don't need to be you know some of these cars don't need to be daily driven i don't think a career gt or a 959 uh needs to be daily driven but they need to be seen they need to be heard they they need to be enjoyed and so that's why me and my brother were sitting there going you know we could get some really cool cars that can be enjoyed that we can enjoy because we think my brother is a former mechanic uh, in fact, yeah. he actually owned, when I was in high school, I worked for him when I was in high school, he owned a, uh, a business called At Your Location. And what we did was, uh, uh, you, he mainly did um, large fleets, company fleets, but they, mm-hmm. um, and when I worked for him every summer, uh, we did oil changes, brake jobs, you know, simple, you know, fleet service kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but my brother's been a mechanic, you know, his first car that he ever got was my dad's 1989 Chevy Cavalier Z24, um, and it was, my brother took it apart. I don't know, I still to this day don't know why he actually took the whole thing apart. He rebuilt the entire motor. I have no idea why. I don't think it ever actually needed to be rebuilt. It was still a piece of shit before, and it was a piece of shit afterwards. Um, And so I was like, I don't know. But I think he just did it because he wanted to, and that was his whole thing. He's, basically every car he has, he just takes apart and puts back together. Um, just because he wants to, you know? Um, and so I guess that's one of the good things when, when I think about, oh, if we get, you know, something and something breaks, it's like, oh, well, you know, um, 
I'm not too worried about it because between he and I, we've he's worked on a thousand cars. I've worked on you know a dozen or so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so between normal maintenance and also some of the more difficult jobs we can do, like we changed years ago, he and I got a, a wild hair in our ass, and we wanted to. I had an 05 Mini Cooper S, um, and it was supercharged before they went to turbos in 06. And we decided yeah. we were going to do a 15% supercharger pulley on it. Um, so we took the, we did all the instructions that, you know, take the, take the front right fender off, you know, get behind the wheel, blah, 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 blah. Well, that wasn't working. So we instead took two jacks, uh, put wood on top of the jacks and jacked the motor out of the, uh, out of the engine bay by about a foot, um, on two jacks. And we are standing, we're standing like basically eye level with the supercharger pulley, getting it off and putting the new one on, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's like I'm not too worried about if anything goes wrong or needs to be fixed because we will figure right. it away, you know. Um, but that's that's also what I love about cars is that you can be any type of car person. You can be somebody who never gets under the hood, or you can be a cold trickle and just be a great driver and have no idea what dynamics are, you know. And then there are people like you where you can actually explain things properly. And you can take any car and race it and find its limits to an exceptional value. What what propelled you to be what you are in this automotive world? Oh boy, that's I mean, that's like that's an eight hour discussion. <laughs> um, I, so you know, I I uh, I, I had to I I, I caught the bug uh, early and and raced cars when I was a kid. And uh, did that for a couple of years and went, eh, it is a really long shot to, uh, uh, to make it as a pro driver. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, put that on the back burner for a little while. And then, uh, and then when I could, came back to it. And, um, you know, by then, uh, by the time I was actively driving, I'd been coaching for a really long time <laughs> and, and, you know, completely focused on, um, on extracting everything from the car from, you know, not only, you know, uh, in qualifying and racing, but, but also developing the car. So, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, uh, with our civic program that we ran for, I don't know, four or five years or whatever it was, um, you know, we developed the, the car specifically for the category and then, uh, and then dominated. And that was completely a, a team effort in, in every way. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the challenge for me today with, you know, relating to, um, my audience, whether it's YouTube or some of my other outlets is, is trying to avoid to get, you know, avoiding to get too arcane and, and, and too insider, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, and it, and as I've discovered over the years, it's really easy to alienate people. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if I if if I go too far into driving technique or too far into vehicle dynamics, um, but uh, you know, I I I've been very fortunate to drive a ton of things and race a ton of things, and um, you know, that's that's given me uh, a, you know. A tremendous perspective. Like I've, I've, you know, raced uh, low horsepower front wheel drive cars, like 
uh, my micro program, mm-hmm. um, and that our, our civics were certainly faster. Uh, but then, uh, you know, then I've I've raced uh, vipers, <laughs> which is a totally different thing. I was gonna say you're and, talking about rocket ships versus you know snails. <laughs> oh yeah, um, and and you know that that year we that was I think that was our that was our championship year in the in the civics. So I'm racing a 2300 pound civic that. Uh, puts 135 horsepower to the wheels, and you know one weekend I'm I'm racing that, and next weekend I'm racing a, a 640 horsepower 3,000 pound Viper, <laughs> and and didn't do too bad, but I mean it took two full days right. to of of, of uh, every single test session to wrap my head around uh, that, even though you know I raced rear wheel drive cars before and and whatever but to wrap my head around a car with a little bit of aero a huge amount of power mm-hmm. and and then and then a ton of mechanical grip was was just wild and, and uh i mean you couldn't i mean the vipers you couldn't see all you could see was forward you couldn't see what <laughs> right. was beside you, you right. definitely couldn't see what was behind you um so uh and then uh along the way i also raced um off-road trucks and that is like that gave me a totally different perspective on on motor racing and that is the, the off-road racing whether it's whether it's you know the, the open stuff mm-hmm. uh or the short course stuff like i did that is physically the most demanding racing i've oh, ever I done can, i can imagine it is yeah yeah with all the like jostling the, around no matter how good the suspension oh. and mechanics are it is you are all over the place yeah yeah and and of course you know i i was coming from uh, you know, regularly road racing and, and then jumping into this off-road track. And, the, you know, of course, the fast way uh, is to slide the damn thing. And that was, <laughs> that was, that was incongruous. So it took a little while. Um, and, I, you know, that, that uh, I was supposed to do a test session, like a full test day to get up to, to really get up to speed um, in California after the LA Auto Show one year. And, um uh, it rained, and of course they don't run those things in the rain, so they canceled the test. And and I'm like, well, do I need to get in into the truck? And they're like, no, no, with your racing background, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And then of course I go and, and get in the stupid truck. And after the first session, I I I, I came close to puking. Uh, oh, like man. it was it was it was so physically difficult. Uh, and then eventually, you know, over the over the course of the weekend, I figured it out and and whatever and and again finished okay where i was like all right well you know this this was fun and you know told a bunch of stories about it and and that was great but um you know forget about sports car racing sports car racing is is easy (laughs) 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 that's something else now you you talk about coaching uh you coached uh jack bruce correct back in the day yeah for a really long time yeah okay and because jack is a mutual friend uh, and I'll I'll be yeah. having him on the podcast at some point. I I love Jack. Um, I it, Jack is a is a completely wild man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear that podcast. That's that's just the easiest way to put it. It's I think that yeah. th- that's going to be the one podcast where it's it's my podcast. I generally let things flow and go wherever you know. But I genuinely believe that's the one podcast that's going to go off the rails in the most amazing way. Because yes. it's, it's Jack. It's just it's just Jack. Yes. You just you have to let him go. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And, and I mean, you know, for me, I'll thoroughly enjoy that because I've known him for years. <laughs> but someone, someone new to the idea of Jack Baruch is going to have a, have a difficult time interpreting a lot of that. Oh, yeah. So my favorite <laughs> it'll, is, be, it'll be interesting. Oh, absolutely. My favorite is that you, you know, I've had people talk to me before and they're like, you know, how do you hold up with his, you know, varying views on politics and stuff? And I go, it's just, I just have to remember, it's just Jack. It's just Jack being Jack. You know, he's just, yeah, he's Jack Baruth. You can't hate it. You know, it's like hating on Jeremy Clarkson for being a dick. You know, it's like, yeah. just, there's some people that are, that I'm just like, it's fine. You know, it's fine. It's like when every time uh, Willie Nelson would go into the deep South, they'd always pull over his van and they'd find mushrooms and weed. And I'm going, it's Willie Nelson. At what point do we stop caring? You know, <laughs> exactly. did we really care before between Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson this is what we're worried about, these two guys, really? You know, they're probably the two most randomly nice people out there. Now, of course, Snoop Dogg back in his early days probably wasn't so nice. Um, yeah, well, possibly, possibly, but, you know, um, Jack's one of those people that, that will literally do anything for you. And, and that's, he is, you know, absolutely. And, and that's, that's the difference. That's the difference between the, the person and the persona right there. Yep, yep. Jack has been, he's been one of those supportive people to me over the years that anytime just a phone call or a text message, you know, just, just for a chat or just to, you know, just to kind of feel better about yourself, you know, it's just Jack is, he's a great guy. He's, he's an amazing character. Um, and he's, he's a stand up person. If he, if he loves you, he's going to go the extra mile to, to make sure that you're always taken care of, you know? Yes. Um, 100%. But so with coaching and, and, you know, people like Jack, Jack is obviously a, you know, a, a motoring journalist that, that, you know, shows how fast cars can be and stuff like that. You've coached, you're a journalist. How do you, how do you kind of go back and forth between the two? Do you have a different personality for each thing you do? I mean, obviously with YouTube and with some of your writing, you try not to go too inside baseball, so to speak, you know, but yeah. in your mind, you you're very you know you're very um you're very intelligent with these cars you understand a lot of the stuff so when you go back and forth is there a difference in how you um review a race car in your mind versus how you review a a, a road car oh yeah that's that's completely different and and uh you know not last summer the summer before i did a bunch of uh road car versus uh, race car mm-hmm. uh, pieces. And yeah, of course, we're, yeah, of course we were lined up to do some, some things right about now. Uh, where I was going to do some, you know, new race car versus their road car uh, counterparts. And they're, you know, because I can drive those things to their limits. Although I will say that I did not drive the 570 GT4 uh, to its limits because, well, that's a, that's another story, but uh, it, it, it belonged to a friend and it was, I believed it was their one and only race car. So I was, I was right. second off the pace. Um, but that was, it was more, it was more than enough. And, you know, I'd spent enough time in Clarence to, to understand it. And to be honest, the 570 GT4 is probably the closest, um, race car to its road car origins out of all the GT4s. Like the, the, yeah, the, the M4, uh, is a completely different beast. Um, and as I've heard, the AMG GT, GT4 is a totally different car than the road car. Hmm. Um, it just, it just looks like it. So that the, 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 um, 
uh, the M4 was delightfully a, uh, a reasonably well-engineered race car and very, very easy to drive. Hmm. Interesting, because, you know, it, I, I hesitate to call it the M4 because I prefer it to call the M3 Coupe, which BMW gets really annoyed about when I do, <laughs> uh, because I choose to believe that there's no such thing as the 4 Series, that it's just a 3 Series Coupe. Um, but the, the M3 Coupe slash M4 uh, <laughs> is... It's it's a good it's a it's a good road car. It's okay. It's fine. I don't think it's I'm, as good as I'm some a, other cars. Uh, when was the last time you drove an uh, an M3 or an M3 coupe? It's been since like the beginning of the cycle. So it's been since like okay. you know when they first came out. I haven't driven the competition okay. packages, which I hear are stellar. So uh, I can't remember the specification of the the road car. Uh, and what an unfortunate! I had a brand new. Uh, a brand new uh, M4 in uh, in California to complete the uh, the road car versus race car piece, mm-hmm. and brand new, and it was perfect spec, like low options. Um, you know the, the 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 cloth inserts on the seats, and then the wheel and tire and suspension package, whatever that was, just just perfect specification and on, i think on on day three of my test i got a stone chip in the windscreen and uh. it it ended up it ended up cracking the entire width of the windscreen and i was like are you kidding me <laughs> but anyway point is i think um i think the the later uh, M3s and M4s are much, much better, significantly better than the early cars. And I, you know, it's easy, easy for manufacturers to to ruin things over the the, the course of a life cycle of mm-hmm. a vehicle with you know goofy suspension settings and and whatever that that just don't that just don't work with um, with the original uh, suspension design and engineering. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's the M3 and M4 are markedly better with the latest suspension calibration and wheel and tire packages than the earlier cars. And um, they, they, they went in the right direction where the M2 is just like this, this ridiculous boy racer with an overly, overly firm suspension setup. Like it just makes no sense as a, as a road car where the, the M3 and M4 are much more compliant. They're reasonable road cars. And then when you want to throw it around, you can actually explore the car. It gives you a lot of confidence. And, you know, if, uh, I mean, if, if you have a, the ability to, to really throw it around, mm-hmm. it's a totally rewarding car. And if you're, you know, you don't have a high skill level, it's still safe and talks to you and communicates. And, and that's, you know, that's what a good sports car should do. But I think the latest, the, the, the later M3s and M4s are so, so good. I have to get back in one because I've heard, now obviously I've heard from people that I don't trust because I don't really know that they love the M3 and the M4. And I'm like, well, I don't really know. Like, I don't know how to stack up their opinion. You know what I mean? Um, right. It's like, it's like I've heard from people that I do trust that the M3 or the, the M2 is way better than the M2 competition as a road car. That the M2 competition is just is ridiculous, you know, and unless you're actually tracking it or you live, you know, on a mountaintop. It's just the M2 is perfectly way better as a as an everyday car, right? I I haven't driven. The, I kind of gave up on the on the M2 after driving the the, the original one. It's <laughs> 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 to say it because it was and I and I just didn't bother booking any time with the with the the competition. 
because I'm just so disappointed with with the the M2, and I just wasn't interested, and obviously busy with other things, so um, I, I never got to the M2 competition. Um, so I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to defer to someone else's judgment. But um, the original M2, it, it seemed to me is like typical uh, M car, AMG, mm-hmm. you know, Audi RS, where the suspension calibrations are are way too stiff. You've got somebody, you know, the the, the scenario in my mind is is always this: you've got somebody coming from you know a a a three series or an A four or or a, a C class or an E class, and then they get into the full jam uh, AMG M RS, whatever it is, and they go on a test drive, and you know the, the the salesman talks about how stiff the suspension is because it handles better, and they buy into that because they don't have a frame of reference, and this is exactly why we're in the situation is because you know the the sales and marketing have taken over um a, a lot of this end of the the product whereas the engineers particularly with with bmw um you know the those engineers are, are gone the ones who used to make the cars work those right. engineers are gone and now they're, they're finally coming back but a lot of those cars are just way too stiff and they don't need to be and this is and, and unfortunately people in sales and marketing uh people who buy cars that don't have any uh, appreciation for performance driving or how a suspension or a tire works mm-hmm. gets stuck in this box of well you know if it's stiff it's it's better and and, and that's not the case at all it doesn't and uh, i mean i i uh, I hate to say it, but like it's it's uh, it, we've got a we've got a generation of, of misguided performance car buyers out there yeah no, I completely agree with you that is you are oh my god you're hitting the nail right on the head for my for my my money because I've been saying it for a while that when I look at sports cars and performance cars of today and I, I think about um, I think about where we've gone and I feel like we are miles away from where we were 10, 15 years ago. And I think about yeah. it, I think, you know, like the E46 M3 really well balanced, you know, yeah, beautiful really, car. Beautiful car. Wonderful car. I just had JF Mutual on the show and his his daily driver is an 03 uh, E46 M3. A great car. Uh-huh. An excellent, excellent car. And then I think about even like the E39 M5. Heavy, but still well balanced. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, like a really good packaged balance between performance car and luxury car, right? And then you go to some of the stuff today and it's just, it's wild. It's, it's, it's like being goosed. You're just like, you know, jumping, you know, out of your, out of your, uh, out of your shoes because it's, they're insane. I, you know, as you know, I drive a GT 350 every day, a 2017. Mm-hmm. And yep. for my money, as far as I'm concerned, every day I drive it, I go, this is fine. This is, th- this is, I don't need any more than this in this world. Um, mm-hmm. Now, then again, the GT500, you've driven the GT500. Oh, the GT500. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't get me started. <laughs> you want to talk about the GT500? Let's go. Let's, let's run. Best car I've driven in a really long time. Wow. So, like, beyond McLaren GT, beyond 720S, beyond DB11 AMR, you are GT five hundred. Yeah, I mean the the and and to me, I mean to me it's and I'm not a, like I'm not a 
I'm not partial to 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 brands or or a certain product or whatever. I I really I really don't. And care. let me let me preface uh, that real quick because this is 100 yeah. percent true. You told me I remember when I sold I sold my at a 997 Carrera S 911. Yes. And I I told you I was thinking about going and buying. Uh, a, a Camaro SS1LE and you said do it run yeah. right out you'll love it and then what two weeks later three weeks later you test drove the 2015 Mustang GT performance pack and you said yeah. go and get that you'll love it it's great and you know what I ordered one I had it for four years I sold it to my brother who sold it to a family friend who uh, was recently just uh, hit in it sadly oh, uh, a no. few weeks ago he's okay he's okay he and his girlfriend are both okay they were fine the car is Host total. They couldn't even open up the driver door. That's how bad the accident was. But no, no issues. All they had was he had some bruising on his shoulder, and so did his girlfriend from the seatbelt. And then he had a rash on his left wrist from the uh, airbag. And that's it. No broken, no, no broken bones, no sprains, no nothing. Yep. And they, they were going sixty miles an hour, and a car ran a red light and hit them at sixty-five. Right in the driver's side, just ahead of the driver door by about seven inches, six, seven inches. Wow. Um, and they survived. And by the way, this guy is in his, I think, early 70s. Wow. So when you think about that, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. But you, so you're, you're 100% not partial because you drove the SS1 LE, told me to go get it. Then a couple weeks later, you said Mustang, you know. It, it's not it's not brand it's just vehicle driven for you sorry go ahead yeah no that, that it's 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 how well the package is is engineered mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I still I still love the the, the, the idea of a one le I mean they, they, they do such a fantastic job uh, with those cars I mean the the last one I drove was a four-cylinder and, and sure it was fun just not fast enough for me but um, really well balanced enjoyable and 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 all of that but you know, to me, it doesn't matter. Now, the GT five hundred, what a car! And and I mean, it's easy. It's easy for anybody to say that because they're going to be impressed with the power. Mm-hmm. But it's it's much more than that. It's 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 how the 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 package works, and it works so well together. Like the 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 the, the steering is. Awesome. Uh, the the car I had was was a like a, a mid range car, so it didn't have the the carbon package on it or the sticky tires. It had the regular uh, the regular uh, tire package. Mm-hmm. But um, it just it is it is so well resolved and and, and unlike any GT five hundred in the past. Like it's it um, it will be one of those. It and, well, you know what I don't know. It should be in my mind. It will be one of those legendary cars. Um, because it works as a road car. It's, you know, it drives wonderfully, very, very comfortable to, to, to drive, but then just has this massive amount of performance. Like it's, it's got the acceleration, it's got the braking, it's got the handling and it talks to you. It's just this wonderful package that, um, I, I couldn't get enough of. I mean, I, um, I burned through my first tank in that car. In 83 miles. <laughs> that might be a world record. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I, I, the car, the car gets delivered. Uh, I drove it 50 miles to my location, and 33 miles worth of doing, you know, 
um, car mounts and, and drive-bys and, mm. and, and that sort of stuff, 33 miles. Um, I, <laughs> I drained the rest of the tank. And it, it was, um, I think I put, over the course of five days, put four tanks in it. And it was, it was just a magnificent thing. I mean, it, it, uh, and of course it sounds amazing and, and, and all that. We took it to, I think the first, uh, the first full day I had with it, took it to a cars and coffee. And, um, I'm sure there, there are plenty of pictures on my social, but the car was swarmed by people because they hadn't seen a GT500 before. Well, and you also had a green one, which is just electrifying. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. That's it's it's an arrest me color. You can see that from space, you know. I know, yeah, and, and I think there's a little bit of a metallic to that paint as well. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful, just just enough. Um, a beautiful finish, not for me. I mean, I'd get the car in in black or right. or, or that uh, that dark blue, no stripes. Keep it on the on the DL. See, but I mean, the soon you're as my I, guy. I, I'm thinking about taking yeah. the stripes off my GT350 because I just it's <laughs> it's like yes, I get the heritage, but I don't like if people know, they know, you know. When yeah. I see a, and that's, I see that's a all that that's all that matters. Exactly. When I see a V eight or a V six Mustang rolling around and they got stripes, I'm going, Oh Jesus, I gotta take my stripes out. I gotta hide my car. <laughs> it's like Exactly. I, that's the one thing that annoys the shit out of me about Mustang people. As a must as so this is my uh third Mustang. I had a two thousand eight bullet, I had a two thousand fifteen yep. GT with performance pack with the leather Recaros and and then I have the GT350. And I'll tell you right now, the thing I hate most is other Mustang owners. Because I don't give a shit. I really don't care when you pull up and you think you want to race. I don't care. I don't care. Congratulations, you're driving another Mustang. Fantastic. Let's get on with our day. I don't mind sitting and chatting. People ask me questions all the time. People, I, I, That does not bother me at all. People, I'll pull yeah. up in a parking lot and other Mustang owners will come up and be like, Hey man, great car. And they'll stop and chat for 5, 10, 15 minutes. I have no problems with that. And I don't have a problem with people giving me a thumbs up or a wave here and there, whatever. But yeah. I don't want I don't want a friggin' four cylinder, an EcoBoost trying to race me on a public highway just because they want me to beat their ass. I don't care. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. I got shit to yeah, do. That, I'm not interested. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and I mean I uh I mean uh, I'm sure you've seen me rail over the years about about street racing and all that nonsense. You and I have the same opinion on this. Put them all yeah. in in lockup for the rest of their lives if they're going to be this stupid. It's it's yeah, pointless. Like, I I did street racing when I was a kid because I thought I was invincible and I thought I was cool as shit. And then I had a couple friends die from it. And I'm like, you know what? This shit isn't worth it. It doesn't. No, this is not worth it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, going going back to to you know my life earlier, I started racing cars when I was a kid. So, like, this this idea, and I, and I didn't grow up in any, any big city, and, you know, the, the street racing wasn't even a thing. So, I never, it never, um, it never was um, even on my radar. But, like, I started racing when I was a kid and, you know, fully understood that. So, you know, to me, the whole notion of, of you know, going fast on the street is a really dumb idea. And especially, you know, trying to race somebody and especially when you don't have the skill set. That's just, you know, right. we've all, we've all seen that stuff on the, on oh, the internet, yeah. but that, you know, the, the, the best thing is all, like, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it's easy to pick up Mustang owners, of course, but you know, with all those wankers leaving cars and coffee, uh, um, yeah. that, that end up backed into a, a tree or a pole or, or whatever. It's all because they've never slid a car before. They mm-hmm. have no idea that when you slam the throttle closed, the weight transfer jumps immediately to the front mm-hmm. axle and there's no grip on the rear. 
So, of course, why do you think they lose control of the car? But hey, whatever. I mean, they 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 think that that uh, they think that by uh, owning one of these cars, they become a member of uh, a secret society. Of, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a, 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 a club, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a club that automatically imbues you with driving skill. Right, and. You know that's that's not the that's not the case. And For it's people just like, like you and me, you know. it seems like the opposite. We see people in these cars, and we're going. We know. We in our minds, we're like, they don't know how to do shit behind the wheel of that car. They have no idea what's going on. No, none, none. And you know, the best thing they could do is is go to a go to a full day performance driving school. It's not like there's a shortage of those things. No, it's. I mean, they're they're everywhere. And you know what? There there are amazing and amazingly talented drivers, male and female, all over the country. That, that teach and coach at those events and, 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 and those places. And look, you will get a wealth of knowledge that you didn't even know you needed, you know, from people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. it's just, sometimes it's just, it's down to your, where you sit in the seat, you know, the pedal placement, the, where your hands are on the wheel, how far your arm is oh. away from the wheel. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I did Step that training one. for years. So, you know, it's, and I swear it happens, like, it happens every few weeks. Somebody on YouTube says that I'm sitting way too close to the steering wheel. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Everybody says it to me when I do my YouTube videos all the time. And, you know, you look at guys like you, you look at guys like Chris Harris, you know, and, you know, everybody laughs at me because I'm 5'10", I'm 5'9 and a half, but I got short, stubby (laughs) legs. So I get, you know, I get behind the wheel of a car and I, but I like to sit close. Why? Because I have complete control. I know where the ship exactly. is. I know where the wheel is. I know I know where I'm going. And guess what else? I'm not locking my wrists ever. You know, that's the exactly. thing. Is, you know, people just, oh, it annoys the shit out of me when I get in the car with some people. And I'm going, why are you sitting so far back? Your toes yeah. are, are tickling the pedals. Exactly. So I'm going to get a little esoteric here. But for anybody who's listening, I want to break it down why you sit. The, the, the most important reason why you sit so close is because you want the smallest muscles in your hands, your feet, legs, whatever, um, to have the, the input on those, on those controls. Because think about, you know, think about the, the muscles in your hands and wrists and your ability to steer a car. Now think about if you're stretched out and you're reaching straight, what's happening is you're, you're, shoulders are now steering the car mm-hmm. and you know do you you know when you actually write a note in your notebook do you write it with your shoulder or do you write it with your fingers i mean you can't you you don't have that that fine motor control um uh in the shoulders you do in right. your in your fingertips and the same thing same thing with the brake like i love i love a really good brake pedal and you have to be able to sit close to the wheel to uh, to not only control it but also to get um, feedback from the wheel and like I'm, I, I I don't care I to be honest I don't care about steering feel and feedback I love a really good brake pedal and the only way to do that is by sitting close and and by having those small muscles interface with the pedal and how great is it when you get a good brake pedal just that really good linear you know drive of, of the you know your your foot into the pedal the, people really don't and I'm not saying that people are dumb. It's just because in most cars, we pr- we're predisposed to not really understand most of this stuff, you know, especially with modern cars. But yeah. when you get a really good brake pedal that's talking to you, that's, if not as important, you know, potentially more important than communicative steering. Because steering, look, most cars, even with dead steering, 
they still, you know, look, you point left, it goes left, you know. But a yeah. brake pedal, a good brake pedal is the difference between, you know, uh, breaking your neck <laughs> and actually stopping <laughs> properly, you know. Mm. But it's it's not only that because it's another it's another control input, and is, yeah. uh, you know, just I I just happened to finish um, uh, the, the piece on um, the GT or the sorry the GT the the Toyota eighty six um, Hakone, which is just like it's a it's a you know it's a it's a trim level mm-hmm. on the um, uh, of of you know basically the base car, but the car has such a good brake pedal mm-hmm. that you know um i can use that brake and just like the gt500 for example um, i can use that brake pedal to adjust the cornering attitude of the car and you know that's you know that's what i want out of a out of a good road car yeah. uh, let alone a race car in a race car you're, you you have a job to do and you have to do that but in a, in a little car that's what makes it rewarding to me is having a really good brake pedal because I can use that to adjust the attitude of the car. And, you know, if, if I'm getting good feedback and I've got good control over the pedal, that is just joy to me. And, and you bring up a great car cause even, so I, I haven't driven the, it as the Toyota GT, but I've driven it as the, uh, the Scion FRS. I had it for like a month when they first came out. Um, yeah. a guy named Ezra Dyer who writes for uh, car and driver he lives in North Carolina, lives about an hour and a half, two hours away from me and, and called me one day and said, hey, can you can you take delivery of this FRS? I'm doing this test and I'm going to need you to meet me at this random ass road. And I have he had a special edition. I think it was like a 2013 uh, WRX. It was that orange one that they did. Um, yeah, I forget what special edition it was. But anyway, so he wanted to test the two cars against each other. Um, but if I recall, he didn't want to tell the automakers that he was testing both cars at the same time. So, yeah, well, that, yeah, I can appreciate that because that happens. That happens all the time. There, are, I, I, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I mean, there are many manufacturers uh, whose vehicles I test um, who are very clear, not even through the fleet company, but the manufacturer directly. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, you have to tell us if you're uh, that you are. You have to. You have to be explicit about not compare not doing a comparison test with this car right right and and, and <laughs> it's hilarious to you know like you know you know who those manufacturers are oh, and yeah. i don't really i don't do comparisons anyway so it's not really it, it's not a it's it's never an agenda item for me but yeah there are a lot of manufacturers that just don't like that and, and you know for obvious reasons right I mean, they, they have their own I mean, they have their own particular agendas i understand that i do more comparison in terms of when i'm talking about the car comparing it with my knowledge of another car that's in its class you know what i mean yeah um but yeah so i had this car for like a month sadly it was an automatic version but uh it was still a lot of fun to drive itself as a car and i just remember me and my brother were the the most fun we had in it was um I, I kind of I live kind of out in the country, so there and this was, you know, seven years ago at this point, eight years ago, where there was even less traffic uh, in the small town where I am, where I used to. So there were roads, and the police department actually knew this. They knew that I lived in town. They knew what I did in town, right? And so yeah. they knew that at any point in time, if they saw a a Porsche or a Mustang or, you know, whatever, some fast car, they would, there were certain roads they knew that I went on that, that I knew there were no, there were no houses for, you know, for acres and acres, you know, 
And that way, my whole thing was, I know there's nobody on these roads. If I crash, I'm taking myself. I'm not taking anybody else. You know what I mean? If I'm testing something out of curiosity, you know what I mean? Um, so the local police department, they didn't say I could do it, but they just kind of, you know, looked the other way, so to speak. And so um, I had uh, the most fun I've had in a car, really. One of the most fun things is that at low speeds, the FRS, you know, now Toyota GT, you can hoon that car at low speeds. You know, you yeah. can, yeah, you can do things at, at low speeds that you're like, this is fun. I'm barely breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, uh, it's such a, a beautiful uh, machine and, you know, it, it's representative of, of that, you know, that, that sports car enthusiast ideal, mm-hmm. but you know, of course, sports car enthusiasts aren't buying them in enough. Wow, I, sadly. Think, I think, I think they're going to continue uh, with, with a new generation, but um, you know, I'd like to see more of them. Just a wonderful, wonderful little car. They're a great little package. Um, I think they're pretty comfortable. You know, they're, they're actually pretty usable. Um, yeah. You know, you can look, you can throw a, your dogs in the back seat, or a dog in the back seat, at least. Uh, you can put the back seats down. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. not. It, look for a young person. It's great, even for somebody who just doesn't. Hell, you could be in your forties, you know, and you just you you don't really need much or have much. There you go. This is kind of the perfect car. It's 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 fast. It's fast in a way that you're you're not hurting yourself. You know, um, you're. <laughs> you're not breaking the law by going fast in it. Cause really it's that car on a, on a 55 mile an hour road at 60 miles an hour is feeling good. You know, that's a really it, good it is, car. It is, it is, it is pure joy. And, yes. and you know, that, that was my experience with it. Unfortunately, um, while I was testing it, I also, I had, I had like too many other things and, and, uh, having just finished that piece, um, I, ju- I think I drove at 170 miles total, which is not enough for me. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, I put a thousand miles on, on, um, that ZR1, mm-hmm. uh, that I drove a couple of years ago. And that was, that was just awesome. But, um, 170 miles on that car was just not enough for me. And it was like, it's, it was so much fun on my, on my regular roads. And, and it's a top secret location. So I'm not telling anybody ever where it is. And, and also, if you do follow along on my social, um, I am nowhere near Palm Springs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and a uh, quick little, little sidebar. One of, uh, one of my, um, uh, uh, family members from uh, this part of the world, uh, just after the the, the, the lockdown uh, started and travel bans and everything else, I, I posted photos of the McLaren GT and tagged it as Palm Springs, as I always do. <laughs> and of course, she you know she she takes a, a little bit of an offense and 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 uh, asks, "Are you really in Palm Springs? Like seriously?" <laughs> and so it was it was a two part answer. And I said I said I don't use social media like normal people. Not only am I not in Palm Springs, but I never was in Palm Springs with this company. <laughs> well, that's so that's now interesting. What did you think of the McLaren GT? In terms of, you know, here is a, you've driven the other McLarens and you've mm-hmm. even driven the McLaren, you know, 570 GT4. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is supposed to be their, um, I don't want to say SL Mercedes of sorts because that's not really the case, but I'm trying to think of like a comfortable cruiser that happens to go really fast. Well, you're, you're, that's, that's exactly what it is, um, except it's got, supercar dynamics right. and that's that's the difference so if if you look at 
um, and I've got, I've got a lot to say on this subject, but it, if you look at it from the perspective, okay, what, what am I going to look at here? What's, what's in the, uh, in this, you know, what's in the segment? Well, you've got, you've got the, the, the new Bentley Continental GT, which mm-hmm. is a lovely, lovely piece. And you've got the, the, the DBS Superleggera and the, the McLaren GT is a completely different driving experience. And, and one of my viewers, you know, and I, I don't know if you've seen the piece, but you know, basically, you know, I, the, the review flows as it normally does where I articulate the car, what I enjoy about the car, what I don't like it, what I don't like about the car. But, um, you know, I, I, I put the question to the audience, like, okay, well, I would much rather have a 570S personally. That's what I would, I would much rather drive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't understand who this car is for because everybody I know that's got a 570S wouldn't buy this. They would, they would buy, they would stick with their 570. They wouldn't get a GT. But of course, everybody's curious about it. So one of, one of my, uh, longtime viewers is like, look, I'm the right demographic. I'm 60. I've got an F150 or F250 and I've got a flying spur. And this is this. I don't want a 720, and I don't want a 570s. I want something that's a little more luxurious, that has those supercar dynamics, that is, you know, uh, that that has more luxury finishings than you know, uh, than you know, dark Alcantara and leather and and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I you know, I I, I do get that. I, I just I'm curious how big the market is. But as far as the the car goes, it's an interesting concept because the the you know the 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 sports series McLarens don't get the proactive chassis control um, suspension system and they don't get the four liter, they get the 3.8 liter. So even though they could have, they could have done better dialing up the torque and and Mm -hmm. whatever made it. And and I, you know, I would have, you know, had I been involved in engineering that I would have added a lot more torque to the, to the engine calibration Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, just make it a little bit more of a hot rod. But the, you know, the other consideration is no McLarens ride poorly anyway. The, the, you know, whoever is engineering their suspensions do a fantastic job because they, they ride beautifully on any road. Um, unlike, you know, lots of plenty of other supercars, but they, you know, it's not like they needed the proactive, chassis control suspension on the GT, but they did it anyway. And, you know, it is the heaviest of, of that, you know, the range of smaller cars, but not that you'd notice because it responds like a supercar. It, it turns, it, it's got that amazing supercar seating position, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And, and then it's got this amazing, uh, layer of luxury. Mine had the photochromatic roof and then, you know, I couldn't, I, I didn't have the opportunity because I didn't have enough time with the car, but um, there's ambient lighting in there, like you find in in, in other cars. Um, at so at night there there was a, you know a beautiful glow from around the the cabin and and the way that my test car's cabin was finished is beautiful with with that uh, that tan leather. It and, is a gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, the 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 that greenish uh, that light greenish, yeah. uh, over the tan I think is a gorgeous combination. Yeah, the, the poor the poor guy. You know, he 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 delivered the um, he delivered the McLaren first from the fleet company, and 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 of course, I peered out the window and saw that it was that green gray color. I'm like, really? Like, I, I was hoping for something a little different. And and you know, he just looks at me like he's this car media wanker. And then of course, <laughs> he, he comes back to pick up the McLaren and drop off the uh, the Mustang, and it's green, the GT500. <laughs> And I'm like, do I really need another green car? <laughs> uh, 
and the, the poor guy's like, who is this loser? <laughs> um, but anyway, but anyway, both cars are, are, are beautiful. That, that, that paint, um, on the, on the McLaren GT was beautiful. Very highly metallic, difficult to shoot by the way. Um, right. very difficult because and, of the, the sunlight, right? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult. Thankfully I learned, I learned uh, how to operate, um, uh, camera from the from the best so I, I worked my way around it but um as far as a, a car goes it was it's just just a beautiful uh all-around piece and a really different take on a on a grand tour i know it's not for me um mm. but there are there are plenty of people that um that would find that interesting and compelling and you know like uh, you know if you've got a flying spur in the garage why you know why would you get a Continental. I mean, this is this is a very interesting alternative, and you know, it's still luxurious inside and everything else rides comfortably. But then, uh, and then, it, you know, it's got all those those res- the, the responsiveness of a supercar, which I I, I find interesting. I mean, the car is very very quick, and and you know, beautiful steering and braking and everything else, and and uh, and really doesn't look like anything else, especially in the right color. Now, and you go from that. You you also drove um, in a similar time frame. The Lamborghini, yeah. the uh, the SVJ uh, Roadster. Yep. What is it like going from you know between the Aventador and the McLaren GT? Two very different worlds, but similar. You know, in, I don't want to say similar price range, because but but in a similar world where you <laughs> no. have to be uber rich to to be able to even afford either one. You know, it. Where is the do you think cars above half a million dollars are really that much better than cars at say a quarter million? Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say no, but, um, so, you know, there's, there's very little difference going from, from, you know, a, a, a quarter million dollar car to a half million dollar car, mm-hmm. dollar car. Like, and especially, uh, especially in the, in the supercar world. However, um, you know, I, I, driven Aventador's previously and drove and, and tested the original Aventador when, when it landed and the, you know, I, I was never really, um, that interested in, you know, driving any other variants and whatever. And in fact, when I was talking to Lamborghini, I was actually, um, planning to get into the new Huracan Evos and they were all busy in the time frame, And they said, well, we've got an SVJ Roadster and I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I really want to drive an, another Aventador, and then you know did some you know did some looking, and uh, you know of course their their big claim to fame is that it, that it threw down a, a very fast lap time at the Nurburgring. I'm like, okay, well maybe it's sorted, whatever. Um, but I also have to anytime I test uh, a Lamborghini because you know I'm, I'm testing them for whatever three, four, five days, um, and I'm driving them um, pretty much daily. It is it's something I have to psych myself up for because mm-hmm. you are never invisible in those cars. No, and yeah, right. I, 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 I evaluate them as I do everything else. So, you know, I, I take it to the gym and, 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 you know, whatever. Um, but everybody wants to talk to you. It's, 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 it's worse than having a GT, uh, 350 in, in the <laughs> sea of regular Mustang. Right. Like it, it, Everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody has to has to say something and, and take a picture uh, with it. And... Oh, absolutely. And, and and you know, of course, you can take advantage of that as well. Because I, I, the first photo I posted when I was testing it was 
was hilarious. I I, uh, I had Chick Fil A on the um, on the wing of the uh, <laughs> of the SVK, which was you know it's like what else what else are you going to do? And and um, anyway, the the the, the to me, anytime I I you know McLarens are different and 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 lots of other brands are, but Lamborghini Lamborghinis just get so much attention that it, mm. it I have to set myself up to, to, to drive them and, and whatever. And thankfully I can go um, way outside of, of town and where it's, where it's quiet and, and, and all that and, 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 you know, enjoy my time with the car and, and being able to be able to evaluate it properly. But um, I will say I, I didn't have high expectations for, you know, this, this last of the Aventador variants. Mm-hmm. But this thing is a proper driver's car, which is interesting because you don't. I don't think you immediately believe that with a with any of the V twelve, the modern V twelve Lamborghinis. Not that they're not good. Not that they're not you know fast or amazing. But yeah, I just don't. When I see them, I don't think oh, like a nine eleven GT three. You know, like I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is is something else, and you know, I've been you know. Um, Lamborghini has been very good to me, and I've been you know, the first Lamborghini test car I drove was the uh, was that last most interesting variant of the Gallardos, which was the um, the, the rear drive manual. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, not the everybody thinks it's a Balboni, but they did another. They did a. They did a, a, a it was uh, a five fifty two. Is what it was. Is five sixty. Five sixty. Yeah, five sixty. Yeah, right. Okay. Yes, and uh, I think I think. Um, that I, I should be able to confirm the VINs, but I think my test car is actually for sale in California right now, and I'd love to buy that thing. Um, that that was one car that's always stuck with me. That that uh, that rear drive um, manual, um, that rear drive manual Gallardo. That was just a beautiful piece. But um, you know, driven all the the Uracon variants over the years, mm-hmm. um, and then drove the Performante a couple of years ago and I'm like, all right, well, Lamborghini is doing really cool things now. Right. And you know, that, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, the cars are all about their, 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 their they're all about drama mm-hmm. and right, exactly. you, know, you have to get them in a bright color and, and all that. And they're, they're loud and, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they've, they've got that angular aggressive design to them so that they, they do stick out in a sea of boring cars. There's, mm-hmm. there's no question. And then we get to this, this event or, SPJ and yeah, you know, it's, it's over the top Lamborghini in every (laughs) possible way. And the, you know, the color on my tester was was beautiful, but, um, from a dynamic standpoint, like the car did everything right. It was not like the, the Aventador I drove years prior. Like this thing was amazing. Just amazing completely blew me away um and and uh i i was i was really surprised i wasn't i you know going into it i'm like i don't know what the heck i'm going to talk about with with this like you know it's it's a it's the you know most expensive exclusive one of the most exclusive variants of the of the event or what's the storyline here and then i drive the car and i really drive the car and go oh this is this is this is legit. It's not you know the 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 Nurburgring and I uh, the the whole Nurburgring laptop thing is another discussion altogether. I don't put a lot of stock into it. But yeah. these days I really, car, I really don't either because it it doesn't mean anything more than maybe dynamics at this point, right? Uh, but, no, it's not even that. There there are too many uh, uncontrolled variables that you know, 
that could put a car at the top of the list or, or could have a throw down an impressive lap time. That's, you know, if you're there, at the, like some, some of my, you know, for me, uh, I had a mid Ohio track record that stuck for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And there was a key reason for that. And, and this is, this speaks to Nürburgring lap times. And I, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but, um, the previous weekend, uh, IndyCar had raced in mid Ohio. There was no rain that entire week, uh, until we raced there. And then I set the track record uh, when the sun was out and ambient temps were down. So I had, you know, all the grip and all the power that, you know, you couldn't recreate that the next day or even the next week. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, my, that has to do with my view on, on Nürburgring ops. There are just way too many variables. And of course, plenty of manufacturers cheat and they, (laughs) um, I mean, you know, uh, Honda and GM do do the right thing, and a lot of manufacturers do the right thing. They put cages in the cars. Well, you know, you put a cage in the car that makes the chassis more rigid, makes the that allows the, the suspension to work a little bit better, the tire to work a little bit better, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you're not you're not driving a stock specification anymore. But it's the right thing to do to protect your engineer. Now, I, I remember the, the 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 Honda Civic Type R. They put a floating cage in to negate that, but still it adds whatever 150 pounds of weight to the car so the car you know the car's no longer stock anyway so um you know it it it, uh it it negates those as a as a real measuring stick but taking something like (laughs) a v12 lamborghini aventador and making it go that fast around that place is impressive yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think that when, when I see the lap times of some of these cars, I don't really care which one is the fastest because I don't really go around going, Lamborghini won, you know, or, or whatever. But I look at it and go, that's damn impressive for a car company that 10, 12, 15 years ago was nowhere near the pace, you know, the realistic driving pace of some of the best driver's cars in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, Nine-tenths in a car like that was hair on fire you know the engine is on fire you're you're damn near dead and you're being passed by a civic si because you got to slow down to put this to put the flames out now lamborghini totally different you know they're beating ferrari at the game that ferrari kind of started you know um not that ferrari don't make great cars because of course they do they all make great cars these days it is it's also tough to buy a car like that and go it's kind of a piece of shit <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, I think I think you know, Ferrari does what what Ferrari does best, and 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 um, you know, we'll 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 see how um, how things go for them in the next right. little while with Ferrari their with gonna, their increased volume and, and everything else. Always going to Ferrari, you know. It's like just yeah, <laughs> that, that that's right. But you know, I'm I'm you know, and and of course, you know, McLaren has. Uh, as an organization, has the right engineering resources to, yeah. to turn out amazing cars that handle well and all that. Um, but you know, Lamborghini. I mean, you know, uh, from the beginning, they they didn't race. They weren't into um, uh, into uh, cars that that went around circuits quickly. And that was that was the ethos from for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, things things change. But this SVJ is like wow. Look, it is it is a fully resolved, amazing hypercar, 
and you know normally when you get to that level of performance or 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 that end of the market you know they they fall off a little bit or or, or whatever they're a little disappointing but this thing is that's it was just amazing it it it's its performance matched its looks and um you know uh, i hate to say it, but I, you know i think i think plenty of our colleagues will will overlook the fact that it is a proper driver's car you know and i also look at it uh I used to kind of get in trouble when I first started because I, I come from a, a privileged background. Um, you know, in my twenties, my parents had, you know, uh, a newer Aston Martin V8 Vantage convertible in the, in the garage. You know, my dad had yep. a CTS V and then a Z06 and then a ZR1, you know, I've been privileged all of my life. And so when car companies would drop off cars, I used to kind of get in trouble because I'd say something like, you know, yeah, for 70 grand, this knob sucks. You know, this kind of stuff. Car companies used to kind of get on my case a little bit. Why do you have to pick on certain things? I'm going, well, because you know what? If you're spending that kind of money, you know, you, I don't need it to be the same as the $25,000 car. You know, I, I need something you know special. But when you get into a Lamborghini, and it's it's kind of funny because you you look at the the variants of the Aventador, and I feel like every time yeah. I look at each one of them, each one looks more and more ridiculous, you know. Yeah. And you go, but really? But now you're you're saying you're you're singing the tune that that even though as ridiculous as it seems, it's epic. It is. It actually is. You should use the word epic for that car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, perhaps it's relative in, in a lot of ways and that, you know, the, 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 the regular at the door ass is, is an okay car, but this is just, this is, this is another thing altogether. Um, in that, you know, the, the, you know, the splitter is functional, all the arrow is functional and, and it, and it genuinely works. The suspension calibrations are brilliant. The steering is brilliant. Braking is fantastic. Um, and you know, the, I think they've taken that single clutch gearbox as far as it's going to go. Yeah, but right. even it's not bad. The the you know the the automatic mode is is horrific. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so the first thing I do is is and you got You got to love Lamborghini. They've got they've got you know Strata sport and course of drive modes and then the custom drive mode is of course called ego <laughs> right yeah so, <laughs> so they know their customers yeah, well <laughs> they yeah they sure do uh, so the first thing one of the first things i did with the car was was configure the the ego mode which was you know um you know uh crazy drivetrain mode most aggressive drivetrain mode and then lightest steering and lightest suspension which works beautifully on the road I'm and, glad the car companies are starting to allow you over the past few years, more and more car companies are allowing you to adjust, you know, all of that because the hardest setting is not always the best when it comes to having, no. you know, the most uh, dynamic, you know, car. Absolutely not. You know, unless you're on a, on a, on a really smooth racetrack mm -hmm. where you're, 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 you need that tire to remain in, in contact with the track surface. There's no reason to to run you know the the most ex, uh, most aggressive um, suspension setting in a, in a car. I mean, even my local track, which is Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, the track surface is so rough. I would never run any road car uh, suspension setting in its in its maximum. Right. This makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but I I I I like that, and I like the fact that you can you know, with a lot of cars you can decouple the the um, 
the dampers and the steering from you know the rest of the drivetrain mode, and, and that and that's generally what I do because I'm not a steering feel fetish. Just I don't care. Um, so you know, why do you why do you need um, heavy steering? It just over the long haul, it's adds more. You know, it it, it uh, becomes fatiguing uh, if you're driving a car for a while. So you know, why why bother? And and uh, I like decoupling that and making those uh, those soft and and you know that's at least from a from a um a road service standpoint you need to decouple the the the, the, the dampers and, and on a road car they need to be they need to be soft oh yeah absolutely yeah and, and, a, and in a car like that you need quick rack you need a quick steering rack as well for for something with that uh, power and ability yeah that's you know that's the thing and and, and uh the the problem the you know the problem is you can get you can get a really aggressive steering like i remember the 675 lt mm-hmm. had a had a much quicker rack than the than the 650 and i love that but that is that's asking a lot from their their average customer oh yeah absolutely because i mean let's let's be honest their average customer is not they're not understanding why the rack feels so different from a six seventy or six fifty to six seventy five? They're they're not understanding yeah. why. Um, and and it, so let me ask you a quick question uh, while we're mm. on the topic of the Lamborghini. I've been thinking for years that I think all of Lamborghini's pedals should be should have just a Gucci symbol on them. Um, because I feel like you have to be in order to get into a Lamborghini, you have to have Gucci slippers. A uh, very deep V-neck T-shirt that cost four hundred dollars, and a pair of jeans that uh, that are ungodly expensive. What is that? What you wore when you were testing the, uh, the Lamborghini? No, what did I, what did I wear? I probably wore one of one of my T-shirts that uh, that we sell in our merch store. To be honest, <laughs> my, my um, buddy had had yeah. just got rid of his Lamborghini. He had a he had a Gallardo. I'm sorry, not a Gallardo. Uh, he had a Huracan Spider. Um, it was white with orange uh, and black interior. And nice. he is one of my most annoying friends. Uh, and the reason why is because he does wear the Gucci slippers, does wear the Gucci, the Gucci driving shoes. And he's a white guy, very skinny. And he loves anytime a rapper mentions Gucci in it, he's got to go out and buy something Gucci. And then he, you know, had the driver's Lamborghini with all Gucci, all Gucci decked out, Gucci sunglasses. I think he was, you know, sporting Gucci condoms for God's sake. And I, I tell you, I just, I see that with Lamborghini customers all the time. And I'm going, why, why? And it's like all the Ferrari people who wear Ferrari jackets. Oh. Well, you know, that, you know, there, there, there is a, there, you know, there can be, you know, from like, and I think it's easy to stereotype, it is. uh, the, you know, a, a brand's customers. Um, but you know, like, you know, my friends that, that own Lamborghinis aren't that way. Um, but I see people like that, you know, uh, you know, when I'm at IMSA races, Lamborghini has the hospitality and whatever, mm-hmm. and you do see those people there. But, um, what I've discovered is that they're, you know, they're genuinely nice people. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, my, you know, I mean, I think, I think to be a Ferrari owner, you have to, ha- you certainly have to have a, a, a different kind of mindset because, you know, being a Ferrari owner today is different than it was 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, being a, a, a Ferrari customer doesn't, you know, automatically um, require you to, to wear, you know, red shoes, red pants, and a red jacket. <laughs> um, and and my Ferrari owning friends are that way. Sure, they 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 do show their enthusiasm for the brand, and I 
fully understand that. It was one of the one of the first um, exotics that I that I drove as a kid. Um, so I've, I've got a real affinity for it. Um, but it you know it 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 is it is easy stereotype. Uh, certain uh, brands enthusiasts, no question. My favorite uh, is to but, wear. I have a blip shift. I have a number of blip shift uh, shirts. I have like five thousand of them. And one of my uh-huh. favorite things to do is I have a bunch of their Camaro T-shirts from Camaros all over the years and stuff like that. So when I drive my Shelby yeah. and I know I'm going to be in public, like I'm going to a place where I'm meeting people or whatever, I always wear one of my Camaro shirts and I get out of my Shelby and the looks from like other car people. It's just, you know, some people know that it's obviously I'm just making a joke because it's like, you know, like I'm driving a Shelby. Yeah. I don't need to wear a, you know, I don't need to wear a matching Shelby T-shirt, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, but like years ago when I had my 911, I pulled into a uh, I pulled into a gas station to get some gas. I went inside to get some water and and I uh, had a Shelby T-shirt on. And this this um, very, very backwoods gentleman, uh, very nice guy, but very backwoods. Uh-huh. Uh, he turned to me and he said. Hey, Bo, you got a Shelby? And I said, no, I, I don't. I said, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a Shelby. I haven't I haven't owned a Shelby before. And he goes, uh, what the hell kind of car you got? And I pointed and I said, I have, I have that black 911 out there. He goes, oh, that's all right. I'll give you a pass. That's cool. I'll give it to you. Yeah, that's fine. And then just turned around. Just, that was it. That was it. He just wanted to know if I had a Shelby. And I, I assumed he was going to give me shit for not having Shelby until he saw the 911. And he was like, no, that's fine. You're, you, you know, you're, you're one of us. We'll, we'll give you a pass. But what was even yeah, weirder exactly. is that here's a, a very, very redneck guy. He, when I walked outside, he was for like 15 minutes, he was showing me his like 97 or 98 GT that he's been fixing up. And, and, uh, we talked for a little while, but it's like, he was completely okay with me having a 911 in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. And I don't know why. I don't know why the 911 was okay in his book, but I don't. I don't. I don't know what it was. It, but it was hilarious. This guy was very, very enamored with seeing this Porsche, and it was a 2007. Sure. It was like 2000 and it was like 2011, 2012. You know, like I. Yeah, it, it looked. It looked like a new line 911 <laughs> at the time. So, you know, nothing. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know that that the conversation could have gone any anyway. Oh, I could have been shot. I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I. I I'm I'm from the north, but I live in the south, and so people get a little weirded out because I don't talk like a southerner, but I can adapt to it, and they get a little confused when when I get in a conversation, and I'm like uh, start you know start with a little twang, start with a little redneck, you know, add things in there. I know country singers from 35 years ago that they're like, damn, how's this kid know who that is? Um, right. So I, I want to kind of circle back to one thing that I, I was curious. I, I meant to ask you at the beginning of the show. You and I both have had the the Ranger, the FX4 Lariat. Um, yeah. What did you think of it? I'm sorry. What did you think of What did you think of the Ranger? What did you? Think ah, of? sorry. Yeah. Of course. We, you know, since we're talking on the phone, I have. I have. Um, I, I do have my phone on. Do not disturb. But people are still texting. Oh yeah, so, people were messaging me all, all morning. <laughs> it's a pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I like. You know what? It's funny. It is. It is. Uh, I got to it very late. Like it was one of those things I, I needed to drive. I needed to, to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't test it until uh, this past fall. Like um, so, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, missed all the excitement. Uh, around the, the launch of it, but it, uh, it wasn't bad. I, you know, not a, not a fan of, of, uh, some of its low speed 
dynamics, particularly with the the uh, four cylinder turbo and the and the nine speed. But overall, um, I, I think it, it's a it's a really nice piece. Um, it 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 you know it 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 remedies all the complaints I have with the Tacoma and the and the, and the, uh, the Colorado and Canyon. It is it is kind of interesting because I I said in. Um in my piece about it, I said, I don't think it's a truck for people who want a truck. I think it's a truck for people who want a Honda Ridgeline. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Ridgeline, you know, to me, the, the, the Ridgeline is a, is a, is an outlier because, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it, it comes from where it comes from. Uh, and some people like that, but, um, you know, I, I, it may, it, it's, you know, it's a little more trucky than, uh, than a Ridgeline for sure. It is a little um, more trucky, yeah. You know, the, the problem is today, unlike, you know, unlike when we had small trucks, um, in a, you know, by every car maker, uh, truck maker, it's, it's different now because they have to spend the same amount of money developing a small truck and yet really can't get away with, with, with charging small truck prices, unless they want to, uh, they, unless they want to destroy their ROI on that, and and that's that's the that's the tough part is is for uh, truck makers to get the the price point of a small truck to to you know be somewhat more meaningful than you know a uh, Silverado or or an F one hundred and fifty or a Ram's price, and and it's it's very difficult to do that today because you've got the same development costs, right. and you can't you can't get away with decontenting these things anymore. You know the, the customers expect a, a lot of content, so you know here they are um, with the same development costs as a full size truck, and then they you know they've got to sell this for a small truck price. It's it's, it's difficult, and I mean I haven't looked at the sales numbers how the you know how that category is uh, does against the full size trucks, but um, you know, I think some people, you know, there, 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 there are some people who don't want to drive a full size truck, do want to pick up and, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it's there for. And, you know, thankfully there's, there's more choice in the market now than, the, than there ever was. And, and, um, you know, my, my favorite is, uh, is not the Ranger, but I like the Ranger. I'd, I'd like to see the, the, the Ranger Raptor when it finally oh, arrives, but, yeah. uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, for now the, 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 the ZR2 is, is, uh, top of the list, but, um, the, the Colorado is rapidly aging, um, you know, with, with, with that interior, the, and, and, and a, you know, bunch of, you know, a, a bunch of legacy bits right now. It hasn't, it needs a, uh, a serious refresh. Um, and I, I, I don't know what the product plan is there, but, um, I haven't kept up, but it desperately needs uh, a refresh. Yeah, I mean the headlights were ugly when it first came out, you know, and it's like, and now they're just even uglier. It has not aged well with that, and that's that's the really sad part because the Colorado is a really good truck. It's a yeah. It's and the ZR2 is awesome. I mean, s- sensationally badass, you know. Um, yeah. And and I did say that in my review of the Ranger is that the biggest problem with the Ranger is that so mine was forty five thousand American, um, and yeah. that is. You know that's a mid-range F one hundred and fifty. Now I, un- unlucky for Ford, my dad has an eighteen F one hundred and fifty Platinum that I've had at my house for the last like six or eight months now because my parents moved to a new house. My dad just he didn't really care about it. He was like, "Here, I was bringing stuff over from their old house and moving stuff back and forth before they sold it," and then he was just like. 
look, keep it for the winter time. I don't really care. It's a lease. He's not worried about it right now. And he's too happy driving his other cars he has. He's just not worried about it. So I've had it in my driveway. So again, very unlucky for Ford because I had the Ranger and an F-150, a $62,000 you know, F-150 Platinum next to this $45,000 Ranger. And I'm going, okay, this is different. You know, like, because the Platinum at two years old is about $45,000. Right. You know, used. And I'm going, I don't know. There's, you know, there's no sunroof in the Ranger. Not that that, I don't really care about that, but there's no cooled seats. There's only heated. You know, there's no, you know, it's like, oh, there's a few things that are, did you notice this where, did you ever put the mirrors in and then shut off the engine? No, I didn't. Okay. So let me tell you what happens with that. In in the F-150 and any other Ford, uh, upwards of $50,000, if you push the mirror button to bring the mirrors in, okay. And you shut off the engine, the mirrors continue to go in, right? If you shut off the Mm -hmm. engine, uh, and it's just an accessory mode, you can put the mirrors in or out, right? But if you're not in accessory mode, you cannot put the mirrors in or out, unlike every other GM car. GM cars, whether the car is on or not, the door can be mm-hmm. open, everything, you can open it, you can you know do whatever you want. The mirrors can be flapping away, doesn't matter. Yeah. The Ranger is an interesting anomaly. If you turn the engine off while the, while the mirrors are going in, the mirrors yeah. stop in their exact spot when you turn the engine off. (laughs) Okay. So you have to turn accessory mode back on (laughs) for them to keep moving. Uh. (laughs) So this is where I'm like, guys. (laughs) The the one thing I did love, though, is that it's it's one of the few cars I've ever driven that with with the radar guided cruise control, where yeah. when you set it, so I always set it to the closest setting. Um, I like to be right up on top of everybody, uh, if I can be, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, these settings only allow you so much, you know. But yes. when you turn the car off and back on, it automatically reverts to the setting you had it at before. It does not go back to the default setting. It goes back to wherever you had originally set it. Whereas every other car, including, you know, some luxury brands, they go back to default settings. And I hate that. So Ford did it right with the Ranger, which is weird yep. because it's the exact opposite on the F-150. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> so again, to Ford's funny. demise, I had an F-150 <laughs> exactly at the same time as the Ranger. So Yeah. So I'm like... Yeah, and- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and, and you know, that's the, that's the fun thing about what we do is we're able to, 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 to compare and contrast and compare, things. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I had a, a, a Ram tester either prior to the Ranger or immediately after the Ranger. And one of the, one of my takeaways was a reminder that, you know, with, with a lot of FCA product, there's, there's fun injected into it with all the, you know, the Easter eggs that they do. And Ford, on the other hand, has no whimsy in their product line whatsoever, ever. You know, a Ford is a Ford. And there's, you know, it's up to you to, to have fun, but, you know, there's, there's, there, there's going to be no detail of this car that's going to paint a smile on your face other than driving it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's and that's the thing is that I, 
I try not to be too brand lovey-dovey, you know, because look, I mm-hmm. love Porsches and I think Porsche are, you know, Porsche are always going to make a good car as far as I'm concerned. Um, we can argue till the day is long how good the Cayenne and the Macan actually are. Um, sure. But when we compare it against something else, we go, no, this is actually a good car by comparison, you know, to something else. But I I try to be, as I've aged, I try to be more car specific, you know. I like this brand. Mm-hmm. I like this car for this brand, but this other thing is, is shit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really a shame for Ford because I didn't mind the Fusion. I thought the Fusion was a good car. And yeah. now it's it, it they they let that age ungracefully, and I thought it was offensive because I think the when the when it first came out, when, or when the new Fusion came out, I was like, really good looking car, you know, comfortable interior, yeah. easy to live with. I had a hybrid when they first came out, and my favorite thing about it was it was no different than the regular car in terms of how it felt and how it, how it looked. There were no special, you know, there's no special front end on it. Yes. You had three hybrid badges, one on each corner and, and one on the back. But if you took those off, it looked like any other, uh, fusion. And I just, it worries me for the future of the automobile that we're not going to have American sedans. Do you think that's going to change now because of the coronavirus, Or do you think that, Sedans are toast from as far as Americans uh, and um, Americans are concerned because some of our cars are built in in, in Canada. Um, what do you what do you what do you make of this? What do you think of it? Uh, well, I think you know the, the, there there hasn't been any development um, of of sedans by uh, by Ford and General Motors in any meaningful way. I think we're I think we're not going to see anything from them if uh, ever unless it's a, a specialty product and um we're going to be you know with those brands all we're going to see are, are, are trucks and crossovers unfortunately um the the you know of, of the, the the so-called big three um the, there there may be a future with uh with fca still building uh sedans on uh on on the uh the aging uh platform that is but it's i mean it's still work i mean you know i drive these things all the time i tend mm-hmm. to drive the fast ones but you know the 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 the, the dodges are so much fun to drive right. and exactly. and i think i think um you know the the you know the charger i drove recently um was was I, and and you know it makes it a unique experience because there's there's nothing else really like it you know uh, a, a full-size um, American sedan with a massive motor in it. I mean, that, that's just, you know, to me, that, that's, that's just brilliant. It's so much fun. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, and, and that's what's, that's what's missing a lot of time. And, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, um, you know, when, when, you know, as, as people make buying decisions in the, in the future, they're, you know, they're, they're not going to look for just practical things, but hopefully, you know, vehicles that, uh, that do paint a smile on their, on their face. Um, because you know, you know, you can't you can't be stuck in a, in a you know a, a, a four wheeled cocoon uh, all day and and be completely bored at, at least in my view. So, you know, you should be driving something that 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 is fun, is enjoyable, and and you know takes your mind off uh, the, the, all of your worries, and and you know, that's what it should be. But uh, unfortunately, crossovers make a lot of sense for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, for very practical reasons. 
and you know with with uh, with an, an aging population in North America the, the the taller hip point of of crossovers makes a lot more sense than than that that lower hip point of a traditional sedan mm-hmm. and that's I mean forget about forget about the taller seating position and better visibility and all that stuff with that aging population that is that is um, that is a real consideration yeah yes yeah. yeah it's a real consideration that's how um, and the, Oh, I, I, the, I, I was just going to say the last thing I want to see are, are more so-called performance crossovers. <laughs> that is the only crossover that I, when I think of performance crossovers, and I don't think of performance crossovers as I think of a performance car or a hypercar, supercar. When I think of a performance crossover, I think of the CX-5 because I think something that actually is good to drive, it's not performance yeah. in any way whatsoever. But to me, that's as much of a performance uh, vehicle a crossover should ever be is a CX-5. Just because I think it's a good size, I think it's a good driving car, uh, pretty good fuel mileage. Technology is not great, but it'll get there. Um, And I just, I I like the way it looks. I like Mazda's packaging. I think Mazda really is is absolutely killing it. Um, And I've been told by someone, I will not name any names whatsoever, but I've been told by yeah. somebody uh, in the know at Toyota that right now Toyota's biggest issue in terms of reliability is going up against Mazda. Mazda apparently are killing them in terms of reliability right now. Oh, good for them. Well, that, that, I mean, it's great to hear because, you know, the, I, 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 for, for plenty of reasons, I don't drive a lot of Mazdas, but um, I drove the, uh, the three um, oh, all-wheel the drive. All-wheel drive, yeah. Yeah. And that thing, I, you know, I mean, I I haven't driven any non MX five miles in a in a really long time, but that was uh, that was an exceptional experience because it's so well designed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's a cohesive design. Unlike you know, unlike you know, Toyota. I mean, they 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 can be you know pretty garish. I mean, the Toyotas are Toyotas, and that's great, but they can be pretty garish a lot of times. They're not necessarily pretty. Mm-hmm. And then what I find is the interiors. Um, have all the elements designed by like eighteen different committees. <laughs> right, so yes. you know, the 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 instrument cluster, there's no you know uh, visual resemblance to you know the the infotainment or the, the climate right. control system, and and you know elements just don't don't blend cohesively into the interior. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Mazda is you know that three is beautiful inside and out and it's well finished and it's it is a true premium compact sure i'd like to see a little more power and you know we'd all like to see that that enthusiast model of the of the three but you know that's the one that i would enjoy driving more so than than any of the others in the, in the segment even though they you know some of the others are better in real quantifiable ways the three just brings you more joy and you know Mazda is is true to that, where you know the, their other products are are good to drive. They're good driving cars, and, and you know that's that's one of the things that that car buyers forget is when a car drives well, um, it's when it's got good dynamics. That is your first line of defense yes. to avoid a crash. Yes, one hundred percent. So when it so when it you know even with a compact car like the three because it's got great steering and great brakes and communicates that is that gives you a huge advantage assuming you're paying attention 
uh, to uh, being able to avoid a crash. And, and that, you know, that's, you know, for me, that's why vehicle dynamics are so important Mm -hmm. to every car, not just the, you know, these crazy supercars and and hypercars, but to every car, the car has to have good dynamics. Otherwise it lets you down from that first, uh, that first line of, of safety. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And especially with especially when you talk about design and the dynamics of the Mazda three, I think for what Mazda are doing right now with the Mazda three, I would put that design against anything, anything from McLaren to Lamborghini to Ferrari to anything Pininfarina have done over the last 10 years, you know, Bentley, whatever. I think, uh, Aston Martin, I think the Mazda three is one of the most beautiful cars out there just with the, the, the lines of it, the way it flows. The way it has, mm-hmm. like you said, a cohesive design. Mm-hmm. The the and and you know the 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 nose of of you know all modern Mazdas are the same, and there's there's such amazing detail in there and surfacing there that it that that itself and 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 the the quality of the materials um, that they use on the exterior is is a high high level, and I love that attention to detail even though that this is a you know really entry-level car the attention to detail that they pay to designing and finishing that car is exceptional and it it to me that you know when i see one of those it's like yeah the designers and engineers really cared about this product absolutely and you know so to kind of to kind of close this off to kind of end this uh i'm going to ask you a couple of you know, kind of simple, rapid-fire questions. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, number one, uh, what is a modern car feature that you hate that you love and one that you love to hate? Ooh. Uh, but I, okay, so the, 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 the one that I hate to love is really easy, and it's because... You know, I, I take driving seriously, but I hate commuting. Uh, so I love adaptive cruise control. Yeah. And I shouldn't. <laughs> I use cruise control all the time, and I really I really hate that I do, but I use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, and I, and I, and I love, I love good level two advanced driver systems. I love good ones because I hate commuting. And, and, I, and I do live in a big city, so I can rely on them. Uh, when they're good and, and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our job, you know, we're, you know, we're supposed to be able to communicate the advantage of these, of these things. And, and in this case, when you do allow those systems to work, it's a less stressful drive. Yeah. So you can, you can arrive at your destination a little less stress or a little less anxious, a little more relaxed, whatever, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, that's why I, I I do rely on those, and I think they're valuable to to most drivers. Um, what's the other one, Josh? The other one was that you love to hate. I love to hate oof. Uh, sport buttons. <laughs> yes, because why? If something's sporty, why isn't it just sporty all the time? Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I I just I hate I hate sport modes. And, you know, I, I, I understand, uh, why some manufacturers will include them, but I just, I think they're useless. Um, and, and there's, you know, just give me, you know, uh, give me, you know, uh, a decent calibration for the, for the drivetrain or, 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 you know, decouple, decouple, like, a, like we're saying dampers from, from, you know, 
the the drivetrain calibration, I'll be very happy. Mm-hmm. And, and and like uh, 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 an actual sport mode. I mean, uh, I love pointing out when cars don't have sport buttons. Um, <laughs> but even you know, even that even that uh, SCJ Roadster has a sport drive mode, which is which is obscene. I mean it. <laughs> Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> so yeah. dumb. Just, it's so yeah, and uh, like uh, the 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 MX five, which is a lovely piece now after the the the, the engine change. Um, it doesn't have a sport mode, and it doesn't need to because it is true to its its uh, design mandate. Like it is, it's it's just a perfect little car. And so you talk about the the Miata, which is a perfect little car. How do you feel yeah. about the state of the manual? Does it depress you? Does it anger you? Does it make you just want to scream at somebody? Or do you not care in the least? Um, I, I, I honestly don't care. I think it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm often wearing um, uh, our, our Save the Manuals shirt, which mm-hmm. is on our merch store. Um, and I think, again, because I've just finished this this 86 Hakone edition, my my... Um, my intro is all about the, you know, what, what saving the manuals is, is really about. Um, and, and what that is, is, um, is just to enjoy driving. And to me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if you're, if you're, um, in something with a, with a dual clutch, well, you're going to, you're going to enjoy that. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, some cars are enhanced by a manual as, you know, like the 86, like the, uh, the MX-5, those cars were, were designed with the manual transmission in mind and the, the automatic came secondary. And, you know, that, that's the environment we grew up in as enthusiasts, but that's not the case anymore. Cars are designed with dual clutches from the drop. And, you know, like Porsche dropped the ball on the, on the, on the 911 where they, the development was focused on the PDK and the manual was an afterthought. And that was a bit of a mess for a while until they got it sorted out. Mm-hmm. Um, where it was, you know, some cars are, are designed with a manual from the beginning and, and, you know, that's part of it. And that's, you know, that's part of the joy of, of driving an MX-5 and, and, and that 86 is that they're, you know, these, these lovely light communicative sports cars and the, the manual just enhances, um, it, it enhances the driving experience. Very good point. And by the way, I should plug your, uh, your store where you can buy t-shirts. Um, Slash stores yeah. slash Brian Max, because you actually have some good stuff up there. Uh, I love the uh, the trust fund vlogger supercar. I think that's yeah or supercar vlogger. I should say uh, that one. I think is yeah. Uh, I think we need to kind yeah. of hand those out to to a lot of people. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I, I I appeared in someone's tweet this week, and um, along with a couple of those uh, trust fund supercar vloggers. <laughs> and um, I re- reluctantly had to see them liking the tweet, my notifications. Like, oh, really? I should I should just reply with I should just reply with this shirt and the link to the to the merch store. Um, but I mean, you know, it's it's tongue in cheek because we know that not many of these um, uh, these trust fund supercar loggers can actually drive. <laughs> so it's like, you know, how are I mean? It's a bizarre world where we've got influencers communicating. Uh, about these things and yet they can't drive them and they can't fully appreciate them. It is weird because, and some of them have the fastest cars that you'll see, 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, oh God, what's that kid's name? Or he's not a kid. He's a guy, uh, Parker, um, out in LA. He had a, I don't know if he still has it, but he has a, a, a supercharged, uh, or twin turbo Huracan or whatever. Oh boy. And I'm like, oh my God, he's yeah. No, don't even get me started. Cause I can go on for a whole podcast about him and people like him. Yeah. Well, Yes, well, and then the, then there's uh, the the infamous Ben Chen, uh, oh, who um, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Jesus, yeah, oh my God. He, not 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 only does he does he destroy a Carrera GT which can't be replaced. Well, even forget about the Gambella Carrera GT. Wow, the the Jambalas are just like I mean, they're is that how you're supposed you know, to say this Jambala? I believe so, but you never know. Right, I, like right, I, I think it's right. Uh Um. But I mean, I, I'm not a fan of, of of that kind of stuff. But the, the fact that you know you can't you can't replace a Carrera GT. Yeah. Um, but but this gentleman has a history of yes. destroying supercars. Yes. So like you know this and 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 you know he's got hundreds of thousands of followers on social media and, and all of that. Um, certainly not setting a good example. And no. um, you know uh, uh, exhibiting typical. Uh, jerky rich guy behavior yeah and uh, doesn't say i mean uh, beyond that it, it doesn't seem like anybody's i mean uh, uh a couple of my non-jerky rich guy car friends um have uh, have called them out which i've i've seen on social media but you know they're never going to get a response and you know i can't exactly ostracize someone from the car community from uh for for doing that kind of stuff but i mean you know this this gentleman has put uh lives in danger and oh. uh, and should not be driving like literally should not be driving anywhere well, on this planet. He shouldn't have been driving, you know, obviously with the lockdown, but he shouldn't have been driving because years ago he launched a damn, um, launched a damn MP412C into, you know, uh, a building and uh, destroyed that car. I think that was a rental, you know, and he's just an ass. It's ridiculous. I'd love to have him on the podcast just so I can ask him, what were you thinking? Like seriously, in all these incidents, what are you thinking? What is going through your mind? How stupid are you? You know, like, you just wake up and go, "I'm going to do some dumb shit today." <laughs> it's like, what I, I, yeah, I, I mean, over over the years, um, when uh, you know, when I'm when I'm teaching performance driving or race driving, I've, I've only had a few instances where I've seen that kind of behavior, and it's very, it, it's very infrequent. So I'd I'd love to understand it more. It doesn't really happen at the at the racetrack and, and at the racetrack you can correct it pretty easily, especially when you're, you know, uh, when you're teaching because you're in a position of authority and you get, you know, the number one priority is, is, uh, is safety for everybody mm-hmm. involved. So that's, that's easy, but I don't understand the thought process. Like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, drive a car beyond its limits, uh, and, and my limits and, um, you know, uh, consequences be damned. I don't understand that. As a guy that, uh, I knew he used to sell my dad a lot of Cadillacs when I was in high school. And they had a brand new CTSV when they first came out. This is 2000 and oh, yeah. 2003, 2004, whatever. Um, or you know, this is like 2002, I think is what it was. Anyway, and uh, he drove me around and he took me for a very nice spirited drive. And I was not far from getting my license. I was about to get it. And he said uh, he had been doing some hooning in it. And I was like, woohoo, you know. And And then he drove me in a GTO the next week and doing some hooning in that. But I remember we stopped yep. for gas, and he said, just remember one thing as you get your license. Don't ever let your driving habits go beyond your driving abilities. And that's always stuck with me. 
So don't let your habits go beyond your abilities, you know, and that, and uh, it, it, I think of it all the time. And I've thought of it when uh, my sister has five kids, when they've all grown up and they've all gotten their licenses, I still got two left to get their licenses. Um, yep. But I, I've always told them the same thing. When I teach them to drive a manual or I get in a car with them, I always say the same thing. Don't think that you are better than you actually are. Prove to yourself that you can be good just like this and then work your way up from there. You know, don't think you yep. can all of a sudden, you know how to whip your car because you've driven it for a few months. You're going to get into a stage where you think you're good and then you're going to kill somebody, you know? Um, oh yeah, absolutely true. And, but last but not least for questions, if you uh-huh. have a car show of your own on any network, anywhere in the world, who would be your co-hosts? Oh, oh, that's a that's a that's a great question. <laughs> I aim to please. <laughs> um, can I have two? You can have as many as you can have forty if you want to. <laughs> you can have as many as you want. Uh, I, I, so I'd I'd I'd, uh, uh, I'd I'd love to have uh, Jennifer Aniston as co-host. That would be fantastic. Uh, but but obviously not for her car knowledge for car knowledge and 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 all around um all around shenanigans that have to go with the subject of our conversation earlier which is uh which is my old pal jack baruth i i would have guessed that would, i honestly could have guessed that and i'm completely a, a show between you two sign me up uh, that would that would that would be uh, uh, the next level of insanity <laughs> for for so many reasons and and unfortunately I don't think anybody anybody that's going to listen to this will truly understand it because they don't they they really you know Jack Jack's persona is different than uh, than who he actually is as a person. He's he's wonderful. So who else? So outside of Jennifer Aniston, are there any others? Ah. Uh, I feel like with Jennifer Anderson, we just want to test leg room in cars, you know, beautiful woman, beautiful personality, you know, she's a dog lover. So, you know, she can show you how great, you know, it, 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 honestly, I, I, I will say it until the day is long. I know there's some people who are like, once a woman hits 50, they're like, ugh. I think she's gorgeous, gorgeous, you know, in her friend's days, gorgeous now. And I'm like, wow. It, just beautiful, beautiful woman. It seems so fun. And I, w- I honestly wish I could just hang out with her because she seems like a fun person in general. Yes. Uh, my, my darling bride has uh, met her once or twice and has oh, really? nothing but nice things to say. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 I think, I think, um, you know, the, 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 the notion of car shows is played out mm-hmm. for, uh, a bunch of reasons, and especially in Canada, economically, there there are no media companies that are are willing to uh, that that have the the inherent courage to make a decision about that, even though it's 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 possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in in other countries, um, it, it's 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 possible, but um, here it's just not because there's no there's no courage, there's no fortitude to to, to see it through. So. Um, if I, it's, it's still, it's still pie in the, in the sky for me. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's real. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and, uh, which is, you know, uh, and, and enjoying beautiful cars on, on great roads and, and telling those stories. And that's, and with that, I mean, 
how the hell else can we end this? That's the best. Where can everybody find your stuff? It's obviously, YouTube. Uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, and you know, as I, I had to warn family members, I don't use social media um, like normal people, so I don't necessarily um, post things in real time. Um, so, and as I've learned, uh, as I've learned, Mr. Lewis, um, I have been, um, I have been uh, surprised by followers, fans, or whatever, mm-hmm. in unexpected places because I was posting things in real time. So I've kind of stopped mm-hmm. doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, all of my everything, uh, and this was maybe a mistake on social media or on, on YouTube, uh, We, I ended up, I had a, a YouTube channel for no particular reason, and we decided to start dumping content there, and that's where we're, we probably should have rebranded it, but it's just under my name, and, and, and of course, um, your viewers will see it. My last name is spelled N-A-K-S-E, and uh, it's Brian Max everywhere on social media. And by the way, keep posting your uh, Instagram stories with uh, your T-shirts. I love it. The automotive brand yeah. that, that you have. Well, if this, if this lockdown continues for another three weeks, I'm going to run out. But, yeah, you're uh, going to have to start uh, drawing pictures on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. I, I might, I might just have my, I might have my, my pals in the city that, that do custom T-shirts, um, create increasingly offensive um, options. And we'll see, we'll see how long that goes. But uh, yeah, I've discovered some gems that I didn't realize I owned. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue doing that. Instead of uh, save the Enzos, it's, we're gonna have to make T-shirts for save the Carrera GTs. We can't. We can't <laughs> use them anymore. Yeah, save the Carrera GT from Ben Chen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Save the vlog or save the uh, the trust fund vloggers. We've got to save them. We can't let them go right. because of the coronavirus. Oh my God. What content will we have every five minutes? Yeah, I need more. I need, I need more. I need more. I don't have enough. This is ridiculous. I need 12 more <laughs> minutes of some asshole telling me about a supercharged car he can't drive. Uh, yes. Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Uh, uh, it sure has, Josh. Thank you. Please uh, come back anytime. By come back, meaning uh, we'll pre record another one anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always find it funny, you know, being on a podcast and like, please come back. It's not like they're in your house, you know, it's like, it's just, you're calling them, you're texting them. This, hey, you this is true. It, it's, it's, it's not like typical radio, you know, please come back into our studio. No, you know, and plus most of the time they never mean that, you know. Um, of course not. Oh, oh, I don't, don't I know that I've done media tours across this country and don't I know that. It's a pain in the ass, isn't it? Uh, it, it, it is. I mean, it was, uh, it was a great experience, uh, to have done it a few times, but, uh, I don't necessarily want to do it again. I always felt bad cause I used to, I used to be the onsite producer for motor trend radio back in the day when it was actually a thing. And, uh, it was on Sirius yep. XM and I always felt really bad because so many people would contact me and be like, Hey, I had a great show with Bob long. You know, I really want to come back on and be like, yeah, we'll check the dates. And I'd never get back to him. You know, like I just, <laughs> I felt so awful, but they weren't good on radio. Um, uh, yeah, there were some yeah. people that had actual, they had to have actual, uh, uh, cue cards in front of them. Otherwise they didn't know what product they were talking about. Um, oh no. The, yeah. I mean, these, these are people that have been in these companies for years. Uh, there was a, at the time, this is when Tesla were first becoming a thing. And there was a guy, I think he, if I recall, he was the CFO and he was just like recently named and he had, he had, uh, little tiny note cards. 
and he's going like, uh, um, like simple questions. Like, what's your next product? Uh, um, like you could tell his position was just stopgap, you know, (laughs) right? yeah. And it was just, I, I think he lasted another few months and I think that was it. That was it. Um, well, there's no surprise. I mean, that's a that's just a, that's a failure to prepare. Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's dis- that's disappointing. Uh, you know, the flip side is, um, the, you know, especially going into uncertain times. One of the you know one of the things uh, that you can do in any job is figure out how to present. And if you can do that, you've got a skill that that most people are reluctant to understand and practice. Absolutely, yeah. And, and there there were some people that were just. So fantastic. I'm trying to remember what the guy's name, but the guy who uh, created uh, Spiker, Spiker Cars. Um, oh, yeah. What was his name? I can't think of his name. but he, I, can't, I can't remember. He came on the show one time, and it was very funny because he had an iPhone. This is this is years ago when the iPhone, I think it was like the 3GS at the time. And uh, right. he had an iPhone, and he said, you know, I'm sorry, can I step away for just once? This is before we started recording. Um because it was pre-recorded as well. And he said, can I just step away for one second? I have to make a phone call. And we said, sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he, he, he had his iPhone in his hand. Well, he pulls out an old Nokia, like brick phone and makes the call on that. And so I jokingly said to him when he came back to us, he said, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, no, it's fine. Were you calling your drug dealer or something with that old ass Nokia so nobody could track you? And he goes, no, actually, this is my international phone. It works much better when I'm calling Europe than on the iPhone. <laughs> and that was, his, that was his, he yeah. had this old Nokia brick phone, but he was genuinely one of the most well-prepared and like, nice individuals and he knew his shit about cars the industry manufacturing like he really he really cared about it and I, so yeah. i always had a lot of respect for him and also for spiker cars the spiker were you know were cool cars but um but yeah he was one of the most well prepared and well thought out like when he gave you an answer you knew that he had you know computed this in his brain for days and it came out you know perfectly so but uh All right yeah. So, um, my friend, thank you so much. Seriously. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and I, I know everybody's going to love the content that, uh, that we're giving them. Um, and, well, uh, I, I hope so. And, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to indulge, uh, and, and help you with this and, and, uh, and hopefully some people have found this entertaining. Yeah. Thank you. And your podcast will go a little over two hours. It'll be, I think the long, the second longest podcast I have, uh, right now, and I know people will love it because you are a cool ass dude. So with that, <laughs> thanks, Brian Josh. Oxley, you are too. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you later, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Josh. All right, later. Bye. Ciao. Yeah, we uh, kind of rambled there, <laughs> but that's okay because I think you enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. I, I always enjoy talking talking to Brian. Uh, he's knowledgeable. He knows the shit. And, uh, it's always great to hear from him. You know, it's, it's always nice to, to hear his voice and to also hear his expertise. You know, the guy is, is smart. He, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to cars and, uh, he's fantastic, right? You know, just if you need to go visit anything he does, which of course you have to go visit everything he does, uh, you can go to his website, max.com. M-A-K-S-E dot com. You can also find him uh, on YouTube. 
uh, youtube.com, I think just slash Brian Max. Um, if you can't do that, just type in Brian Max into YouTube and all of his videos will come up. Of course, subscribe, like, hit the bell notification for him uh, because he does have great, fantastic YouTube content. And you can also find him on sportscar365.com uh, where he has done quite a few uh, articles. He's done three, actually, uh, really cool articles. And it's Road to Race. Uh, the first one was a couple years ago where he took the BMW M4 and the BMW M4 GT4 racing car and pitted them against each other to see the differences between the two. Uh, then two years ago, again, he did the Audi RS3 versus the RS3 LMS TCR. And again, two years ago, <laughs> he did the McLaren 570S versus the 570S GT4. Of course, we talked about the M4 and MG, M4 GT4 and the 570S versus the 570S GT4 in our podcast. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're sharing this podcast with other people. Don't forget uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcast, or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and uh, Podbean, uh, and of course, Rollers.com, you know, all the good stuff. So, yeah, continue washing your hands. Continue to do the things that you're doing uh, if they're helpful to other people. Um, don't hoard things, please, because it's getting ridiculous for some people who actually need stuff. Um, yeah, I hope you're doing well through all this. And I hope you continue to listen to the Rodders podcast because on, on Wednesday, what is Wednesday's date? Of course, I don't have Wednesday's date pulled up. What is it? The 23rd? Uh, What's it? Uh, the 22nd. It's Earth Day. Earth Day. On Earth Day, you will hear uh, Stephen Lang and I talking about the car market, the used car market, what's going to happen to the used car market, how he got involved with cars, and uh, we even talk a little politics. Uh, we might piss a few people off, but that's okay. We're going to enjoy it. Um, so on Earth Day, you'll get to hear Stephen stand outside talking to me in the rain for two hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I know you'll enjoy Wednesdays. And then on Friday, we will be doing another Meet Raw Autos podcast. Why? Because honestly, I just want to allow you to understand the last 13 years of Raw Autos. Uh, the highs, the lows, the all over the place. Uh, because it's just me rambling. Uh, I'll talk about cars. I'll talk about cars I've reviewed. I'll talk about some industry stuff that I've been through uh, or seen or heard. And uh, yeah. So, you know, without further ado, I'm going to end this podcast because you've listened for long enough, haven't you? <laughs> you've heard me for way too long. On that note, it's time to end. And I will listen to you. No, I won't listen to you. You will listen to me on Wednesday. And just remember, when you wake up, there's nothing better than to put a little freeze-dried Folgers in your cup, start off with the Rawdust Podcast, and always happy motoring. <laughs>